Um, none of the awards, none of the achievements obviously wouldn't have been possible without my teammates. So um, I thank them a lot for for helping me get through my first year. Um, I'm so honored and humbled um, to have been given Rookie of the Year. And next up, I hope to one day represent my country and see where soccer takes me. Hey, Cow, this chip in, and it's into the back of the net. Memphis takes the lead in overtime. Yo, what is up, everybody? You know what time it is. It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers. And guys, tonight is episode 31 titled Canadian Born and Memphis Made, because tonight we're talking about history in the makings. We might even have some breaking news on the podcast. And I'm excited. We got Memphis women's soccer stars Grace Storty and Maya Jones joining us. And guys, let's get right to it, man. There's a lot to unpack in our historic season to, to talk about. So help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview and podcasting this week, Memphis women's soccer stars Grace Storty and Maya Jones. Yo, Maya, Grace, what is up? How are we doing tonight? Good. Pretty doing good. good. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome, actually, to have you guys on. And especially, you know, at this point in time, there's a lot to unpack. I mean, obviously, Grace, we had you on. There's a, a shit ton to unpack between the last time we talked to you and now. And then what's even better is you brought a friend. So, you know, Maya, we're going to get a chance to to get your backstory a little bit, but also unpack the season, um, a his, historic season at the University of Memphis uh, with the women's soccer program. Um, but before we get into all that, Maya, I'm going to start with you. Obviously, you missed crossover tonight. Are you having like a Thanksgiving like hangover? Is that what's going on? You're still a little full. How was Thanksgiving and, and, and what did you do? Did you? spend it with family did you spend it with friends yeah. what'd um, you do I actually went with my roommate Bree um we went to Ohio to visit her aunt up in Ohio and I'd never met them before so it was really cool I met a bunch of people in her family and we had a really good Thanksgiving break very restful and we went shopping a lot of shopping wow it seems, it seems to be the standard you know you, you you go you eat a lot and then the next day you just wake up and you spend a lot of money so Yep. Hey, I, I don't blame you. Um, Grace, what about you? How was Thanksgiving? Um, actually, went to Ohio as well with a teammate, Peyton. Um, went up there, spent some time with her family. Um, did some hiking, went shopping for maybe about half an hour. Didn't last too long, but just kind of hung out, went go-karting, did all that fun stuff. Man, it's uh probably good to unwind a little bit get away from the soccer field obviously reflect a little bit um obviously it's it's hard to really get rid of soccer there's a lot of world cup action going on you guys are are, are you know just now removed from the season but Maya have you had a chance to watch any world cup action if so anybody looking good who, who do you think is going to take this thing 
So I've watched a lot of World Cup. I was actually in class today. Probably shouldn't tell you guys this. And me and my friend had the World Cup on the laptop instead of listening. <laughs> but um, I hope Argentina wins because of Messi. I know everybody's going to say that, but I really love Messi and I hope they can win the World Cup. Well, they, they struggled out mm-hmm. the gate, but they looked a lot better the last game. Um, yeah, the game, last game. Yeah. Grace, what about you? Have you you spent some time watching watching the men on the pitch? Um, I've probably watched one full game. Um, I look at the scores via social media, but I, I'll watch it once it gets to the more important games, like the semifinals. And What's the, the full game that you watch? Uh, Canada v... Um, did they play Belgium first? Canada. You were in the front of the car. You didn't even watch. No, I no, wait. Okay, who was the game before that day? There wasn't a game. Canada was Canada. Yes, there was. Argent the first game, the very first game of the World Cup is the game I watched. It wasn't Canada. It was uh, Grace was watching reruns. Qatar. I was Qatar half played. watching Canada because my lovely teammate Maya had it dialed on her phone the whole time. So yeah. And that was very loud. So she knew what was happening. <laughs> So outside of Canada, Grace, uh, who who do you think has a good shot to to take this thing? Um, a wise woman once said Argentina will win because of Messi, <laughs> and we we want them to. So I'll I'll back her up on that one. It's it's a good answer. Good answer. Uh, probably a, a good good money line for those guys. But you know that's enough of those dudes. I'll see enough soccer. Uh, between now and two weeks from now i want to get into you guys and a historic season an amazing season um but maya i want to i want to talk to you first obviously you know you're new to being on the show Uh, i want to you know let our listeners get a little bit about your background tell me a little bit about um obviously where where you're from and, and and where you grew up um i'm also from calgary alberta canada like grace um It's a beautiful city. Um, And I started playing soccer when I was five years old, I think. I really did not like it. My mom forced me into it. I played for about a year and then I quit. And then my dad made me go back into it and I fell in love with the game. And I've been playing ever since. So obviously you you talk about mom and dad. You got any brothers or sisters? Were they athletes? And was that kind of why they were pushing you to play? Um, I'm actually the oldest. I have two sisters and one younger brother. Um, they're all pretty young. My brother's seven. Um, none of them are very athletic. I hope they don't listen to this. Um, my brother hopes to play soccer one day. He's, he tries really hard and I hope he goes far, but I think my parents really pushed me because they saw that I had potential at a young age and they just wanted to keep trying to get me to like it. And at some point I did, and I'm, I'm very thankful that they did that for me. So you know, usually we ask who's who you feel is the most athletic in the family, but based off of what you just said, I think we just <laughs> skip right over that question. And kind I think of my brother it. might argue that one, but he's seven, <laughs> so he'll always do that. Of course, uh, you wouldn't expect anything anything less from him. But obviously, you you start playing soccer, you you develop a love for it, you win a gold twenty fourteen and silver in twenty sixteen with the concaf national team so you know it's c-o-n-c-a-c-a-f so explain to me what the abbreviation is what does that mean and and it's obviously a national team but what does it mean to play for a team like that 
Mm -hmm. So CONCACAF is um, like the confederation for uh, North American soccer. So I was playing with the youth Canadian national team at that time, representing them in the CONCACAF tournament. Um, and we played against teams like the United States and Mexico and Jamaica. So that was definitely like a real honor to have that opportunity. Um, and yeah, we won some medals when I was really young, which was like an amazing experience to have. Yeah, I mean, you won the gold 2014, silver in 2016. You had a national club championship title in 2015. You were a member of the Four Nations tournament that same season. You know, obviously, you know, thinking about where you're at now and kind of the the experiences that led up into you being where you're at now were, you know, those had to be like invaluable experiences, things that you got to, you know, attribute to your success now, right? Definitely. Yeah, I think um, having those experiences really gave me the confidence to continue to pursue soccer at a higher level. It showed me that maybe this could be something that I pursue, um, for the, for a long time. And obviously now I'm fourth year in college and I'm loving it like more than ever. Like it's definitely a very big thing in my life. And I'm just glad that I had those experiences at a young age to push me on in college. You know, we, we have this argument all the time and it's like, uh, club ball versus like high school sports. So, Obviously, you know, in here in the States, it's like the club and travel ball trumps everything. That's really where you get noticed, where, you know, colleges start, you know, you know, you get on their radar and they start pursuing you. Uh, it's mm -hmm. really like the, the big thing. So I'll ask you, obviously, where did you go to high school and was high school a, a big like driver in getting you to the next level or was it all the experiences outside of high school that did it for you? So um, in Canada, it works a bit differently than like in America. We don't really have club in, in, um, in high school. So like you play outside of your high school um, and me and Grace actually played together in high school. And then um, my last year, I decided to move to Vancouver and play um, for an academy out in Vancouver, which definitely, um, that got me most of my exposure and also having that um, help me in getting to Memphis as well. Being able to say that I was going to an academy helped me um, pursue Memphis and uh, get to where I am. So. so in in the States, like if you play, let's let's say soccer, if you play soccer in Tennessee, it's mm -hmm. much different than playing soccer, you know, in Mississippi or California or Florida. What is the difference in level of soccer from Calgary to Vancouver or is there? Um, there isn't like a huge difference. I think um, for me, it was just like experiencing something new. Um, we have like different academies throughout the country. And um, I had felt that it was a really cool opportunity to be coached by new coaches. And also for the national team, it um, was a better pathway to getting to the national team and staying in the national team because the national team coach was actually based out of Vancouver. So I decided to make that decision because I thought it might help me um, to pursue my, my national team endeavors. Gotcha. And so obviously, you know, I don't want to, you know, completely skip over high school. You obviously were a track and field star. You, you were a six time academic honoree. Um, you know, what is the importance that academics played? Obviously, you got all the athleticism, you got all the soccer skills and talent, but mm -hmm. was 
academics a big factor? Because I know when I think of like someone like me, if I was as skilled as you were, I would probably go like bump all this school stuff. Like I'm just going to focus on what I'm really good at. I'll deal with that later. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like my parents have really instilled in me the value of academics and they just like told me as I was leaving the college, like, obviously you're an athlete, but you're a student first and that needs to be prioritized above everything else. Um, and I think uh, like academics not only like obviously helps you in your future career, but like it shows you like discipline, which helps you in sports as well. And I think like the values that I have in soccer, I have the same values in academics, just working hard and um, just trying to pursue the next level and always learning as much as I can. So. I, I take it during those six six time academic honorees, you weren't watching the World Cup in class. <laughs> I still took notes today. <laughs> I was just watching Brazil play at the same time. All right. Answer this. Name one thing that you wrote down in notes today. Uh, oh, no. That's why about, they're notes. You can about, go back and review them. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell you a single thing I wrote down. I was writing them, but I wasn't computing the information. I was just look, doing it for later. Gotcha. That's a so solid you're, answer. You're, you. <laughs> you're essentially faking it. Yes. If, if, Hey, hey, whatever it takes. Oh. Yeah, I that you you will have many opportunities to go to class, but how many times will you get to watch Brazil play in the World Cup? I mean, how many opportunities will you get to watch them in class? Probably even, not even better. So you, yeah. you're just taking advantage of a, a situation that may never come around again. So I'll probably I, remember it forever now that there, you guys have brought it up. There you go. I, I can respect that. So obviously, you know, you you get to a point where it's time to make the leap to college. Um, at what point do you realize, all right, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to play. And then how does Memphis get into the mix? Okay. Um, I knew at a very young age that I wanted to go to the States. That was kind of a decision I made by probably like 13 or 14. I didn't know where I wanted to go. Um and obviously I spoke to a few schools and um, I knew kind of that I wanted to go to Memphis pretty early because I knew uh, a few girls that went here. Tanya Boychuk is one of my very good friends. Um, and she had obviously spoke to me about it and I spoke to the coach. And then once I came and visited the school, I was like, yeah, this is where I want to go. I think it took me a week to make my decision. And within a week I called him and I was like, I'd like to commit here. So it was all kind of, it happened really fast, but I think knowing somebody that what, like already spent a year here really helped me make my decision because she had experienced it and she could really um, give me confidence in coming to the program. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, have that, that kind of personal story where it was somebody they knew, or it was, you know, just, they showed up on campus and it just spoke to them and that was the place. <laughs> Um, others talk about the coach, you know, obviously I, I gotta, you know, we'll get into coach Monahan a lot, but obviously he's created something there that, you know, and, and you know, I, I told the guys this the other day is that, you know, the soccer program, the women's soccer program at the university of Memphis is probably right now in the best like shape of any program that they're, that they have. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of that is, is just coach Monahan grinding and, and putting together and really, 
you know, reaching out to Canada, pulling in some of the best players, you know, that that is there. Um, but was there anything about coach that, you know, helped you make that decision? Or was it solely like, I want to play soccer. My friend said this is good. I have a good feeling about it. Let's just let's just go to Memphis. I think he one thing he said to me that really gave me confidence was that he will always be honest and he is he's a very honest man and that's good in many ways you want that in a coach and um, I obviously didn't know him at the time but I trusted Tanya and I trusted his word that he said he was always going to bring the best out of the team and he's he instills like hard work which is very important to me and his honesty so I thought from that I was like I trust him and um that's kind of how I made my decision. So. so since we're talking honesty and, you know, we're talking about other players help lead you here. When we had Grace on the first time, you know, she said she considered not going to Memphis because you were there, but you know, she figured, <laughs> she figured why not? Why not? Maya won too many awards. I can't possibly come oh. being from Calgary as well. <laughs> and then she won awards. So look where we're at. <laughs> top, top drawer, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So oh, yeah. So, Grace, uh, high expectations this season. Y'all started ranked in the top 25, obviously coming off um, a second-round appearance in the NCAA tournament last year. You know, Coach Monaghan has built a consistent good program that, you know, Daniel was just talking about, and y'all had all that talent coming back. So, for you personally, you know, everybody always says, you know, winning a national championship is the expectation. But with what y'all had coming back and with the progress y'all had made last year, Grace, was national championship the expectation? Um, our team is very honest with where we're at in the season and what needs to be done before you can ultimately look at a national championship because obviously that happens at the very end of your season. Um, I think we started kind of how every season starts. We wanted to get to know each other, learn how to play with each other, and we had a hiccup mid-season, and that's kind of when we all got together and said we need to work to get into conference tournament and then same thing we got in and we said okay now we need to work together to win conference tournament so um I bet you if we made elite eight if we were to beat Arkansas national championship conversation would have been held but um it's baby steps leading up to that point yeah no doubt but you know I want to get into a specific game I was at you know we talk about you might be the toughest female athlete. You might be the toughest athlete. Forget female athlete. We've had on this show, Grace. So when I'm watching you in Oxford and Ole Miss and you get hurt, I couldn't believe it. I was like, no way. Not not Grace. It, pay, it pained me to see you laid up on that table. It really did. Um, but, you know, I was listening to the, the commentators talk about how you played every single minute after that game. So for you, like – how much time do you just put into your training and your endurance to be able to play every single minute of every single game? Um, Honestly, hopefully coaches don't listen to this. Not as much as I should, but um, I found that that works for me. Bluetooth disconnected. Um, closer to the end of the season, we had this funny saying where I would just say, you know, I'm going to body it and whatever happens, happens. And you just got to keep pushing through. So but it is important after every training session, obviously we recover and that's really what gets you along. But I think it comes to a point where it's more mental than physical, especially with all the minutes being played. Yeah. And, and that injury, you know, that, that night it was so funny because my daughter, you know, obviously we came there to see you and we we're going to talk to you afterward. And she was like, 
I don't want to bother her while she's injured. I was like, that's great. She ain't going to care. Like, she's just going to get up and walk this thing off. And sure enough, you were back out there playing the next game every single minute. So you are who you are. Um, but, you know, I want to talk about a big storyline that wasn't Memphis soccer specific, but it was a big deal in general. Um, and, you know, that was the the unfortunate murder of Eliza Fletcher. Um, you know, just curious on – how that affected the team, affected Coach Modigan, what words he said to y'all, um, you know, about what had happened and what she meant to him and, and the Memphis soccer program. Um, yeah, he brought us together and uh, right from the start, you could tell something was up. Um, he almost was in tears when he told us the news, when he told us how um, he knew her personally. I don't think any of us were there when she was on the team, but um seeing your coach, you know, the man um, being so vulnerable, I think it really opened a lot of our eyes. And we realized that um, this girl meant a lot to people in Memphis, and she still does and forever will mean a lot to this program. So um, it was really cool seeing what we could make of it, but obviously devastating. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you talked about captivating the city and what she meant. I mean, just seeing the reaction when they had the run for her. I mean, just, you know, that that was almost emotional for me I didn't even know her at all but it's just you know having having daughters having a wife you know all that was just it was very touching for sure but Maya I want to get to you speak Jim was talking about the old Miss game but you got uh, injured in the old Miss game you had to miss I think three games what what injury were you dealing with um I had a concussion actually for the first time in my soccer career I got hit like on the side of the head and I thought I was fine I thought I could walk it off I was not fine Thought I was fine the next day and I was not fine. So um, it was really difficult, those three games to miss for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Jim kind of talked on this too a little bit. It was the season kind of the, or actually it was Grace that said it, the, the hiccups, but you guys never were, the season starts and you kind of up and down, can't really get that string of wins together until, you know, of course the end of the season. But as a, as a senior leader, how do you keep the team focused? And is it just the baby steps that Grace talked about? Or how do you keep everybody on the same page? You know, I think we do a very good job as a team to all have the same mindset. And I don't think at one, any point in the season, even when we were struggling, did we ever think or not believe in ourselves? And I think that just we will do everything to win. And when we got to that point in the season, when we were struggling, we we're having those hiccups, we all just kind of came together. We sat down and we just talked it out. And we, there was so many good conversations happening. And at that point I was like, you know what, this is the point where it's going to turn around. And it did, which was amazing. And I think our captains, Grace is one of them did a fantastic job of um, leading the team and ensuring that that mindset was instilled in the team and nobody doubted that at any point. Yeah. So obviously, and looking back on it, you know, from the outside looking in, it looked like the season kind of took a positive turn against East Carolina. You guys went on one, three straight and you're scoring goals, dishing out assists. So What's what's the feeling? What's the pulse of the team kind of going into the AAC tournament? We felt good going into the AAC tournament. And, you know, it was it was tough because we actually just lost the game before it against SMU, which was really unfortunate. But going up until that point, we were just on fire. We were feeling good. And um, I think we were kind of just like we have nothing to lose. We're going to go into this tournament and we're going to win the whole thing. And the energy was so high in the team. And I just knew, like, from that first game, I was so confident that we were going to win the whole thing, and we did, which was amazing. Yeah, and with that, so, Grace, y'all win the American Athletic Conference Tournament, but made sure to make the fans sweat as every game went to overtime. 
just how tough were those battles, you know, just speaks to the American Athletic Conference. And, you know, we talked about endurance, had to play 110 minutes, three straight games. So just talk about that tournament and how grueling it was, Grace. Uh, like Maya said, I think with everyone being so ready and so pumped to be there, the overtime minutes, looking back, I probably wouldn't even remember that every single one of those games went into overtime because at the end of the day, I think after each each overtime, we would say it's just 10 more minutes. It's just 10 more, you know, and you do all you can for those 10 minutes. And if it goes PKs, it does. And if you score, you know, you hold off for those seven or five minutes, whatever's left. But um, no, I think Maya said it perfectly. The energy was high and we were, we underdogs coming in, especially losing our last uh, regular season game. So just get the job done. Which one of those wins felt best? Was it UCF? I'd have to say UCF. Just so good. It's home field and you know we take them with never beating us the lot in the last four years and now they're out of our conference so they they have nothing on us truthfully <laughs> very nice very nice so you know one of the things I know from watching you all season whether going to the games or watching on tv is you know you play defense but um at times you get moved to midfield um down the stretch of the games uh especially in the NCAA tournament um you were playing it seemed like more midfield than defense at at what point did coach Monaghan decide to you know play you there more and was there a discussion or is it one of those things that just happened um so actually never once was a midfielder <laughs> um they had you mar- they had you marked as a midfielder I know. on every I've, game I've told our manager of ops to change that every single game and she never did um but they're just very lenient with me. A couple people here joke around and say I'm the most attacking defender they've ever seen. Um, That's but, where I was going to go with that, because if you were playing defense, you were on offense more than I normally see you up there. Yeah. Um. Once I get my confidence and once I, um, like, I mean, me and Maya run the right side of the field, honestly. And once we're rolling, it's a good game. Um. I know I have enough juice in me to keep going forward. And I mean, why not? It's fun to attack just as much as it's fun to defend. I also wanted to give credit for that because I definitely encourage her every second to go forward. If me and Maya had mics on the field, you'd hear, Peter Maya, and then take her story. (laughs) Well, well, Maya, I'm glad you encouraged Grace because my daughter plays the same position as Grace. That's what she works with her. And I encourage her all the time to go up, but she's always hesitant. And it's like, we'll be watching Grace. I'm like, look at Grace going all the way to the goal with it. Like, you know, and so... Uh, I'm glad I'm glad you encouraged her to do that and uh, especially getting to to see that goal that we'll get into here in a minute uh, that she scored. Um, so y'all get into the tourney and y'all draw St. Louis, you know, the number two seed for, for you and the ladies. Did it matter who it was, um, Grace, or were y'all ready for anybody? Um, I think everyone was so excited just to see who we got. And when it was St. Louis, you know, there's a bit of back and forth of, oh, we got it, and oh, we don't, Um, but I think once all the fog kind of settled, and we were like, listen, like, I mean, for me personally, it was let's win, so they don't get the record for most wins in a row, because that's just kind of like a extra little brownie point for us, but um, that game was chaotic in the first half, honestly, and it was very tough, but um, they're a great team, and honestly, it couldn't have been a better draw for us. Yeah, and I think it's great. There's nothing better than when you see the writers write, not from Memphis, obviously, but 
pretty much dismiss y'all as not having a chance and then you go into their house and beat them so um mm-hmm. that's always a an extra good feeling but you know something I want to talk about is the second game um talk about an extra good feeling these two guys have known me for 25 years there's nothing I like more than to be right and do you remember me and you having a text conversation during the Mississippi State LSU game and I told you that neither team was fundamentally sound and that they relied too much on their athleticism, and that if you were to play either team, you would beat them. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And so when y'all played Mississippi State and beat them 4 nothing, I was like, I know everything. No, <laughs> no but seriously, I, I just – I saw it. Y'all, the way Memphis plays soccer and the way that they played soccer, um, you know, I, I couldn't have seen 4 nothing. But I definitely thought y'all were the better team when I had saw it, and then to see it play out. So, you know, just how good did that win feel? That was an awesome game. Honestly, that's probably the best soccer we've played all year. And um, if we were able to repeat that every single time we played, I think we are we truly would be untouchable. Mm-hmm. And so, and so the last question on that game, and I'll let Randy get back to my the goal that you scored. I, you know, I screenshot, I paused the TV, I took the picture. I mean, the joy that was on your face, just, I mean, how ecstatic were you to score that goal that basically, I mean, y'all were up 2 nothing, but that 3 nothing, I mean, that was the nail in the coffin. Yeah, that goal was um, extra important to me. I had just lost someone really close to me. One of my best friend's brothers passed and told myself I was going to dedicate that game to him. And so scoring that goal just, like, truthfully, honestly, like, meant the world to me. Yeah, so, so Maya... You guys, obviously, you you beat St. Louis, you get Mississippi State. So did you guys, obviously, you're in the middle of the tournament, so maybe you don't think about this, but what did it feel like to to know that you took this team further than any other Memphis Tigers soccer had gone before? It was amazing. I think um, winning after the whistle blew in the Mississippi State game, I felt like we won the World Cup, which is so funny because it was second round, but <laughs> – um, it just felt so amazing to know that we made history for the team and the way that we did make history was just even like that much better, like the four, nothing win and just how amazing we played and just the chemistry amongst the players, amongst the coaches and the people on the bench. Like it felt, um, like one of the best feelings in the world for sure. And obviously like after that game, like I, I have so much confidence in this team going forward in the future, but I truly like believed in us so much. And we gave Arkansas a run for their money, which was also a fantastic game as well. Yeah. You, you took my next question, but that's okay. <laughs> so at this point, obviously, you, you know, you're beating teams that like Jim said, a lot of people didn't think that you guys had a chance to do it. You guys believed it. So at this point, did you feel like, I mean, I'm sure you're going to say, yes, you kind of just did. Did you could beat anybody Arkansas or anybody else? Yeah. Um, Grace is shaking her head. She's like, oh, yeah, man. we went into that game and we were like, we are going to go and win this game. And it was, it was an unfortunate result in the end, but I will say it and say it again. We were the better team and we deserve to win that game. And I guarantee you, if we went into the next game against Florida state, we would have given them a run for their money as well. So I think this team was capable of going to a final four, even a national championship. And I believe it too. So listen, this next question, it's, it's from the, it's from my producer and I got to ask you, I, I mean, you know, did, how many goals did you score in the Arkansas? Was it two or one? It was I mean, only one. <laughs> okay. Cause I, the, Jim was pretty insistent that Grace got a goal, but they gave you credit for two goals. I mean, I just got to know the beef here. So I actually passed the ball to Grace down the line and then Grace crossed it to Jojo, but because I was playing striker, they gave me the goal. It wasn't and it me. Hit. It didn't even 
it hit JoJo's calf and went in. And yeah, and, was, my and my daughter was irate that they didn't give the goal to Grace. She was like, she scored. I don't care what anybody says. It was Grace's goal, for sure. Definitely, definitely. So listen, obviously talking about the Arkansas game and how great of a game, have you had you guys ever been part of a game that was as intense as that? I guess with so much on the line, I'm sure it meant more. But have you guys ever been of a game that was like that before? I honestly can't remember a game in my entire soccer career that was that intense and that back and forth like they scored we scored they scored we scored like it was like 110 minutes of like chaos but also just like back and forth soccer it was so difficult I remember after that game the next day my body was in so much pain and I've played a lot of like overtime games in my life but that one like hit different for some reason and, and Randy I'll tell you you know Grace and Maya have sat here and talked about how 110 isn't real different to them I was texting Daniel in real time that's the first time I've seen y'all look tired. That's how I know that game was growing. Both of y'all were kind of trotting a little bit. I, I, we actually conceded in the, the overtime or before overtime. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to complete this 90 minutes. And I remember looking at the clock and there was three minutes left. And I was like, one more run, one more run. And Sarah was down the line and it just happened to land on my foot. But I was exhausted. I couldn't even celebrate. Kimmy was running at me. I was so tired. Yeah, no doubt. Left it all on the field. So obviously, you know, it, it goes down to, to PKs. The final shot comes, uh, you know, comes down to you. Keeper yeah. makes an incredible, incredible save. Um, the emotion from you, obviously, uh, you know, it, it kind of hurt to see that. I can only imagine what it felt like for you. But just kind of walk us through kind of what your emotions were. But don't get emotional or nothing. We're all <laughs> we're all positive vibes on the show. Okay. And uh, it was just an amazing save. And just to kind of walk us through what you felt in that moment and kind of have you had time to process it all since then. Yeah. You know, I walked up to that PK and I was confident in myself. And I double guessed which way I was going to go. But I was like, I'm just going to hit this and hit it with confidence. And, you know, she made a good save at the end of the day. Um, it hurt because they obviously celebrated running at me. Like it felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And I just, I kept apologizing to everybody that I was walking up to on the team. Like I, everybody was hugging and I was just like, I'm so sorry. And I think for me, like the way the team responded helped me get through it. Cause they were like, it is not on you. It like, we did this together, whatever, whatever. And um, it hurt in the moment, but like, I, could not be prouder of how we got to that moment. So I just can't be upset about it anymore. Yeah, and there's a reason why you go last. I assume I, if I'm a coach strategically, I want who I have the most confidence in taking that shot. So everybody knows you were the right person. And like you said, Barbara, I mean, she she made a great save, but you just got to call it what it is. I mean, and so I, I thought it was a great shot. It's just unfortunate. And also, I, I tell Jim this all the time. There's hardly, especially as long as you guys played that game, there's never a sporting event ever that only comes down to one thing, one play, even though people see the last shot and they think that's it. No, it's not one thing, mm -hmm. especially y'all played like six hours straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'll be honest. If, if there's anything that anyone should be disappointed in is the fact that it has to come down to that, to decide the game. Like, mm -hmm. I think, you know, as tired as you were, you could equally say both teams were tired. Mm -hmm. So throw some more time on there or, or just play until someone scores. Like, I Grace, we've worked so hard to get Daniel to like soccer, and he takes me so pissed off that the game ended on PKs versus scoring in a, in, you know, on the field. You know, because I, I feel like, and, and, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, and I probably am, but I feel like there's a lot of luck 
not skill. There are some a lot of skill things, but there's a lot of luck that goes into the PK part. More luck than I would like to see decide a game of that magnitude. So, I mean, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but um, Maya, Grace, we first and foremost are proud of y'all. I mean, anytime that we get athletes on here that have done what you guys have done, you've taken a program, you know, you've you know maya you're leaving the program better than than where you left it you completed a historic run you know grace you're part of something that you're continuing to grow and like it's amazing to to know that i'm a fan of the city of memphis i'm a fan of the university and the athletic program and, and it's awesome to see you guys be very successful so you know we are extremely proud of y'all and and happy that you guys were able to do and accomplish what you did um, you know, even to the extent that, you know, Grace, you're being named top soccer drawer team, team of the week. Um, you know, Grace, how does it feel like, obviously it's a big stage to get to where you guys got, but now you're getting recognition nationally. Like, is that something that obviously you feel good about, it, but is that something that you start the season and go, this is what I want to accomplish, like this personal goal, or is it just, I'm going to play hard and whatever comes with it comes with it. Um, I didn't even know what that award meant at first. I I actually had to ask like Maya and Peyton and other teammates. I was like, I, like, I was like, Oh yeah. Like team of the week. But um, no, I don't think about awards because awards don't come with the 10 other girls that are on the field with me. So if I was out there by myself, definitely um, wouldn't get any, but I just, choose to not think about that and if it comes it comes if it doesn't it doesn't doesn't change my work rate whatsoever well then y'all's first team all america or first team uh, all conferences out the window that didn't mean anything either just since both y'all got that <laughs> you just slough that one off once you get it yeah <laughs> so maya i mean obviously senior season is there a way that we can dig up another year of eligibility for you is there something <laughs> well i do have another year of eligibility because of covid actually so i do have right. my fifth year so what it, what is the plan are you have you decided are you coming back are you gonna go do something else like what what's what's the future hold for breaking right news for maya jones <laughs> well as of right now i'm for sure graduating school in may but um, my plan is to come back and play for the school. In the fall. Let's, go. Let's go. You heard Do it here it. first in off the bench special. Maya's back. Post this everywhere. <laughs> let me let me put this. On. <laughs> you no. know, for the first time and ever, I've lived in this city my entire life and listened to sports radio. The first time I'd ever heard the University of Memphis women's soccer head coach on 92.9 ESPN was what, last week? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's awesome. You guys deserve the press. And and it wasn't it it wasn't like this 10 minute like little like segment this was like a half hour like yeah interview like it might have even been longer than that so you guys are doing big things grace you know well before we we roll into a game you know and get you guys out of here grace i got to ask obviously you know the season's over now you can focus and put your coaching hat back on you know you've been doing a lot of individualized personal one-on-one -on -one coaching with Jim's daughter, Taylor. Um, is it time to go no mercy on her little 
little on her little tail. Cause I think I you want to say a curse word right there, bro. I, I did, but I held back. But I think she's she's a little bit too big for her britches. I think she needs to be checked up by by Grace. Um, me and Taylor, I think, have a pretty good relationship. So sometimes I do put her in her place um, when needed. But strictly confidence wise, you know, that girl has a lot of um, a lot of fire on her feet. So she can do big things for sure. It's just a matter of once she believes it herself instead of just me and her dad. Well, she already said the first thing after watching all these games in the NCAA tournament, if you don't perfect her slide tackle, she's going to be mad. That's funny because I I barely know how to slide tackle. <laughs> well, you better bring somebody who does. Well, you got to do an early morning session for that so the grass is wet. <laughs> Grace, the, the, the last thing that you need to make sure that Jim knows is that now that you've taken, you know, the Memphis program to such historic heights, that fee, that 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 individualized don't do coaching that to me. fee, Double. don't do that to me. Don't do that. To me. Oh. If it's longer than two hours, it's quadrupled at this point. Listen, the more awards she wins, the higher the bill. <laughs> there you go. See, see, I'm I'm just here trying to help you guys. You know, pay the bills and 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 just help. Help help other people get better. I mean, yeah. if you guys know anybody that needs coaching, hit me up too. There you go. See, yeah. you got two <laughs> of the greatest players in the country willing to dish out their services. And just so people know that are listening, it ain't gonna come cheap. Good coaching ain't cheap. So don't don't be contacted. That's them. sweet don't 16 coaching goes high. Yep. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I don't know the going rate, but I, I'm sure I can't afford it. So I'll tell you this, Daniel, because you're a baseball guy. It's not more expensive than baseball. So that's the good news. Yeah. Well, I mean, baseball is ridiculous. But yeah, there's a lot of bad coaches out there and we're not talking <laughs> to two bad coaches. So, all right. Well, my grace, let's let's get you guys out of here. Let's play a game and, and you guys can can carry on your evening. So the game is called This or That. Grace, you've played it before, but Maya, for you, it's very simple. Give you two options. All you got to do is be decisive. Pick one option or the other. Uh, can't say both. Can't say neither. You got to be very, you know, go with the one thing that speaks to you the most. Okay. All right. So I'll make it easy. We'll we'll direct. Since, Grace, you played this before, we'll start with you on every question first so you can kind of lead the way. And then my you'll answer second. So first question. It's it's starting to get cold around the 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 M town. So you know, I'll ask Grace, would you rather have hot coffee or iced coffee? Iced coffee. Maya, hot coffee or iced coffee? Hot. Hot. Like what kind of hot coffee? Are you doing like a latte? You doing a little latte with almond milk. You guys ever thought about putting mayonnaise in it? <laughs> dude you had to go there right jim jim uh he only drinks coffee with mayonnaise in it yeah it's very silly oh wow. i did it i did it once and it was part of a challenge these guys moving on maybe one day he'll grow up but <laughs> i'm not holding my breath uh in english or math grace which which subject english i hate math my english or math math I love math. <laughs> See, it's the tale of two tapes here. They they are such good friends, but every answer is going to be opposite. What, uh, Grace, would you rather have night games or day games? 
Night games. Maya, night games or day games? Night games. Yeah, it's just something about being under the lights, and it's just mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it hits. It hits a little different. Well, if you're a Memphis fan, you want night games because during the day you can't see the field. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I got you. Is it the sun? Like, what's the what's Dude, the it, issue during the day? Is it for fan? I don't I don't know how it is for them, but for fans, the way the the soccer field set up in Memphis, we can't see anything when the sun's out. Uh, well. Grace, we got to pick one of these these fine gents, Ronaldo or Neymar. Ronaldo. Maya, who you got? Like soccer wise, or how they look? <laughs> Either is fine. I mean, uh, I went I, for looks. Okay, Neymar. Wow. Oh, yeah. What about for soccer? Like Neymar. I'm a big Neymar fan. Grace, what about for soccer? Wise woman once said Neymar. <laughs> wow. I need to I need to see what kind of skincare regimen this guy's got. <laughs> All right. Roller coasters or water slides, Grace? Roller coasters. Maya, roller coasters or water slides? Roller coasters. Animals or people, Grace? This is a that's right. I put this in just for you. Oh, you know I did. Um, animals. Ooh. Maya, animals or people? People. I'm animals and me don't get along. Oh. <laughs> Grace, Grace, what's your favorite animal? Um, I love my puppies, but I also do love horses. No, you don't. And, uh, Maya, what is no, the animal? Know. Maya, what is the animal you dislike the most? I don't want puppies and horses. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna say puppies and kittens and ruin everything. I like cats. I have four cats at home. Um, me and like I like dogs, but sometimes we don't get along. So that's such that. a lie. You hate dogs. You only like my dog. I like your dog. Yes. Yeah, but other dogs, no. <laughs> All right, Grace. Um, would you rather have intense pain for an hour or dull pain that lasts all day long? Intense pain for an hour. Mm. Maya, what would you rather have? I think the same, intense pain for an hour. Yeah, get it get it over with. I mean, you guys are tough anyway, so the intense pain probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. <laughs> Just roll right through that. Grace, hero or villain? Hero. Oh, I'm Maya. disappointed. Hero or villain? Hero. All right. Maya, who's your favorite hero? Like a comic book hero or like a person? Just any, any, like, I can't define hero to you. So. Mm, that's a good one. I really love my, um, my African-American history. So I'd have to say uh, MLK. Okay. Yeah. Grace. Who are you taking? Who's your favorite hero? She's gonna say a wise person once said and follow right behind Maya. Yeah, and and why is it Neymar? <laughs> Superhero wise, yeah. Iron Man. Yes, solid answer. Decent. It's not Batman. Great guy, all uh, around great guy. Yeah, he's no Batman, but he'll do. <laughs> all right, ladies. Last question, Grace. 
would you rather have massive success by accident or modest success on purpose? Modest success on purpose. Mm-hmm. Maya, what would you rather have? Same thing. Modest, modest success on purpose. Well, I, I think you guys are going to change your tune. Randy, rephrase this for them so they, they really understand the levity of this question. Grace, let me let me. I'm looking directly at you. All right. If I was to say I would give you one hundred million dollars or you get to earn twenty million dollars, which one are you taking? I would earn twenty million. Why do you want eighty million less dollars, Grace? Well, I would feel selfish. That's, just that's that exactly right. A hundred million, but I but yet she's gonna double me up on these coaching fees. Okay, that that hundred million, pardon my word, is fu money. Like, exactly. No one needs that much money. Maya's gonna change. Uh, watch this. I Maya. I do. <laughs> Maya's I'm not. Sure. She I can already see she's gonna earn the twenty million too. And I respect your answer. Nah, but she I'm would a... take it. She would take the hundred. No. No. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of shopping. I That's a lot that. of shop. Look, you, I'm gonna give you a hundred million, no strings attached, or you can earn twenty million. Um, I think I would still earn twenty million. Oh my goodness! I'm sure if you can earn twenty million, you could probably oh. get into a hundred. Thank you for that. You know, we. I gotta ask. Th- this question was so deflating. I gotta ask one more. We can't. We can't end it like this. We can't. So, Grace, bucket list. Sporting event or bucket list concert? Which one would you choose? This is. Do I get to pick the venue of my concert? Yeah, yeah, we'll get into all that. But would you concert Maya? I can't believe you just said that. Definitely sporting event, World Cup final, like that would be amazing. Yeah, but if I got to choose Bieber any day, any if I got to choose anyone anywhere, I'd make I'd make it better than the World Cup. Well, let's hear it. Yeah, Yeah, where is it and who is it? Do do tell, Grace. (laughs) Okay, the venue in Colorado, the the Red Rocks, Red Red Rocks. Rocks. I guarantee you, it ain't Taylor Swift because ain't nobody getting tickets to that. No, absolutely not. I would do. Um, my opener would be. Jimmy Buffett and the Beach Boys and Alan Jackson, since I get to make my own concert. <laughs> and then my middle would be um, Morgan Wallen. I would revive all the Beatles and I would then listen to maybe like Khalid, someone. How many like, people are at this concert? This is like Jesus. a music <laughs> fest. Festival yeah. at this point. And then my closer would be. Um, this was not the question. Well, I'm making it my own question. The closer would be Tate McRae, the girl from Calgary. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, let's see. I I feel you do like need a hundred million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of the fact, like Jim, we got to find a new question because obviously she's been asked this question before because she had this master plan for a I, I don't want to ask the question anymore because it can't be answered any more fun than that i mean the way I she wanted, laid that I mean, out i was waiting for the set list for each artist <laughs> could well, give you my are... top three songs no top, no i only want to know this top three morgan wallen songs 
Um, off the top of my head, more than my hometown. My favorite. Wondering about the wind. Okay. Solid. And um, what's one of his newer ones? Um, one second. I'll look really quick. Grace. I know. I know. Oh, you know. While she's thinking, Maya, please tell me you're not like this country music person. Um, I'm not a big country music fan. Thought you should know. Thought you should know is I love it. Are you serious right now? Turn that off. I mean, I I love it. It's it's a tough listen. Maya, what's the last song that was on when you were in the car? I don't really listen to much music if I'm being completely honest. Um, You listen to In Off the Bench podcast when you're in your car? I do. (laughs) Oh, Role Models by J. Cole. That was last time. Okay. See, I get down with Maya's music more. This country's Daniel, we got way too many guests saying country music. Now, however, Grace did say Jimmy Buffett, and I went with my dad and his friends to a Jimmy Buffett concert. Those things are off the chain. And the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. You're such an old soul, Grace. I know. Oh, she, I mean, she said she wanted to bring all the Beatles back and have them play. Well, that would just be like iconic. Like, who would no, want? no Grateful Dead? I mean, I'm, I understand. Mm. Mm. All right, Maya, Grace, anything you know you guys want to plug or promote before you guys get out of here? I'll start with you, Grace. Ooh, uh, nine oh one better come to all of our homes games next year. Yeah. Something to need some more fans. Yeah. Maya, anything you want to plug or promote? Just gonna say the same thing as Grace. Be there next year. Or be there. Especially Maya Jones is coming back. (laughs) You have heard it here first, literally. We have give us the breaking news alert. (laughs) I'm surprised you don't actually have a little tune for that, Daniel. You got something for everything else. You know, I, I should, you know, and I I, I don't be better. Don't, be better. I, I gotta be better at, at the soundboard and, and and being ready for this. You know, I, I just assumed Maya was gonna be like, you know, I did everything that I could have done and now I'm gonna go pro. Peace <laughs> out. But I'm glad I'm glad that you're coming back. But here's the deal. If y'all wanna know more about Grace or Maya, you just wanna see, you know what kind of posing, what kind of influencing they're doing on social media or what random shit they're doing on a Tuesday night, go on over to Instagram, grace.storty or maya.jones9. You'll see everything that you want to see. Keep an update with them. And who knows, you might see a little bit of soccer here and there. But if you want to follow them on the pitch, and that goes for everybody out there, you need to start attending these games. The 901 needs to bring it because you are missing out on something special because both of these ladies are coming back and it's going to be an amazing season next next season. But if you want to keep updates in the offseason, you want to see what's going on during the season, Instagram, Memphis W Soccer. Maya, Grace, it's a pleasure. If there's anything we can do for you guys, please reach out to us. Thank you. We appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. That is Maya Jones and Grace Storty. We're going to take a break. We're going to plug some sponsors so we can pay these bills around here. When we come back, we got headlines for you.
All right, boys. So you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety. And you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary. Pain relief without narcotics. Sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7. Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you leading off. We're going to talk college basketball. Randy, I will start with you. Obviously, we've talked hoops, you know, college hoops for a couple weeks now. And, and every week has been kind of a up and down as far as, you know, your feelings and, and towards Tennessee basketball. Obviously, very talented, good team. Uh, but maybe haven't played to the potential in some games that they should. But, um, you know, this past weekend picked up a huge win and, and played, you know, pretty good. So, you know, I'll ask you, man, is this the turnaround for them? Or are they going to become that juggernaut that we thought they might be? Um, I think that what we know about Tennessee Sands, the Colorado game, is that defensively they are an elite team. Uh, that's a Rick Barnes staple. I think the offense is what I worry about. Um, and, and that still showed. I think that you saw, you know, defensively, though, like in the Kansas game, Kansas shot 32% from the field, not from three, not, none of that, from the field. And they shot 23% from three. So you really saw Tennessee out-rebounded them 45-27. to 27. You are going to beat anybody in the country. I don't care who they are. If you out-rebound them by 18 and hold them under 35% shooting from the field, you'll beat most anybody and probably by double digits. You see that team, just they have a lot of length. I know you love that, DB. Yeah. And uh, you're seeing gel a little bit. Zakai Ziegler's playing a little better. Viscovi's hitting some open shots. Uh, the, t- the five-star freshman, Phillips, is looking pretty good, looking really athletic. So I think that, yeah, as far as a turning point, um, I think you'll probably look back on the Colorado game and say that that jolted them in the right direction. Um, but also remember that if they're on this three-game winning streak and they beat Kansas all without their best player in uh, Josiah Jordan-James, who has been out with a knee injury after having some off-season surgery. So it's going to be interesting to me what they look like when he comes back because obviously he's their you know, senior leader, but he's a great defender. And uh, I think we'll find out pretty soon because they have, uh, you know, Maryland coming up in a couple of weeks. They got Arizona, uh, Ole Miss at the end of the month. So, and then they get into SEC play. So, I still expect them to be at the top of the SEC. Probably, I don't mean like the top, but in the top three, top four for sure. I mean, I think they got a bad rap. I mean, you lose the way they did to Colorado, which is a, a team that's that's not that great. And I think they they dropped a lot, but really, I mean, they're. They lost one game. They played bad. They had a, a, a rough night. But I think their their ranking of 22 isn't indicative of where they should be. I think they're obviously, in my opinion, a top 10 basketball team. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, for one, I'm going to give you a little note about Colorado. If they only played top 25 teams, they would win every game. So they lost the game before Tennessee. No, they lost the game, yeah, before Tennessee to Grambling. Play Tennessee, obviously beat them. Then they lose the next game to UMass. Then they play Texas A&M the next game, who's a top 25 team, and beat them by 30 points. So I think that Tennessee just – I mean, Colorado just needs to play top 25 teams. Now, back to your ranking thing real quick. You're right. They dropped a lot all the way down to 22, and with the win over Kansas, they went all the way up to 11. That is crazy. One – 
one game. Now they won the you know the Atlantis Mower Bad Boy Mowers tournament or whatever. Um, but I don't know if it was eleven spots worthy. But I think it was more of a course correction that they shouldn't have dropped that far from one bad performance. I agree. Um, you know, and there, I think the reason that Tennessee doesn't have anything to worry about is much what you've already said. It's like they're going to be tested throughout the rest of the season, not only in conference play, but they got Maryland and Arizona coming up and and, and Texas and Texas. So like uh, uh, that blip on the radar to Colorado is not even gonna, like nobody's going to be talking about it at the end of the season, especially if they win an SEC championship. I mean, it's just not going to be a thing. So um, moving over, guys, I, I had the opportunity for Thanksgiving. I went to Orlando to watch Memphis play. I got to watch them play Seton Hall on Thanksgiving Day. I got to watch them play Nebraska on that Friday. And then on Sunday, um, I got to watch them play Stanford. I would say of the three teams, I thought that Seton Hall was definitely the most, you know, dog team. Like, I don't know if they were the better team, um, but they were just a bunch of dogs. And I think that's the, the coach. Um, you know, Shaheem Holloway is is the coach. He was the coach at St. Peter's and then took over Seton Hall. He used to play at Seton Hall, but. I mean, Memphis had the opportunity to win the game if they hit two free throws, and you know, in Memphis fashion, we we dropped two, we missed both free throws. Seton Hall gets a chance to throw up a, a prayer and win the game, and they they made it. Um, shouldn't have have given them the opportunity to even be in that situation, but you know, from there you move to the losers bracket and you take on Nebraska. Um, Nebraska was a team that we were. Clearly, in my opinion, more athletic, faster, and just flat out better. Um, played played pretty well um, and took care of business. And then the last game um, had a chance to play Stanford. I thought Stanford was a little bit um, – was probably one of the taller, longer teams that we might play. Um, but they're very young. So I think given what we had on the floor – um, we had the opportunity to kind of do some things and, and we pulled away late. So one of the things that I'll, I'll say is that, well, two things. First thing is that the defense is back to where we thought it should be. The defense is playing elite. Um, Jim, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the other games. I know you had the chance to watch the last play of the season all <laughs> game. Pre- appreciate that. Um but, you know, I'll ask you, you know, as a as a defensive minded team that they were last year, um, this year they're back in that. Is that necessity? Do they have to be that a level level of elite defense to be successful? Yeah, I believe they do. I actually watched the Stanford game in its entirety. And you know that because I was texting you throughout a jerk. Anyways, you just want to throw shade at me for the Seton Hall game. But, no, that defense was locked down other than Stanford getting um, a, a few three balls by, and it's not like they were uncontested. They just made some nice shots. Um, that defense is locked down, and they're going to need it because they just really lack scoring, which which you guys know. And, you know, we talked last episode, can you rely on one guy? And, you know, what happens when he has an off game? And he was having an off game. Um, I can't remember what the final stat line, but I remember at one point they were like, he's two for 13. And it's like, 
where your bucket's coming from. Now, luckily, Williams had some nice buckets down underneath the basket, um, kept their lead stable around 10. But, you know, it got it got a little nerve-wracking when it got down to six or four. I know you were feeling it as someone who was there, but um, the defense did what it does, and at the end, it locked it down. Yeah, it was, you know, Stanford, we'd go up 10, and then they would hit threes, and then it would be six, and then it got down to four, and you're like, all right, like, Let's let's get it together. But eventually we were able to pull pull it through. But Randy, let me ask you, man. You've seen the Tigers enough to know that, you know, Kendrick Davis is the best player on the court. 100 percent My question is, is does he have to work way too hard to score? <sighs> yeah. I just I feel there was like a lot of one on one ball. Every especially against Stanford, I felt like, and I don't know if it's because he was forcing things and he knows he has to be that guy, but, and Stanford was a little bit longer than the other teams. Not Like it just, it just looked like he was having to work extremely hard for anything that he got. Yeah. And I think that that's been a little bit of a point of contention, maybe not the right word for it with Penny's team since he's been at Memphis is the offense um, it, a lot of it does rely on, you know, it relies on defense creating offense. And then when you do run into sets, it's a lot of one-on-one. So I think for the first time in a long time, you have a guy in Kendrick that can make those things happen. So does he have to work too hard? Yes. Does he have to be that guy for them to make any kind of run? I also think that answer is yes. And then you hope at some point along the way, obviously you got still got some people that are not playing for eligibility issues, which is a whole other thing. NCAA, you are a joke. Um, and – you DeAndre, you know, you need him to start scoring more. You need him to be more consistent. You need the rebounding to continue to elevate, get second chance opportunities. So I don't think that he'll always be working this hard. I think the offense has to find an identity. And uh it, you know, some of the personnel doesn't help that. Yeah, yeah. You, you said DeAndre and in, in, in that game, that Stanford game, he was the guy, but for you, Daniel, who knows them more than anyway, I mean, who is who is that next guy, though? Because we know those two guys. Who do you feel is the third guy who has to start scoring buckets? Uh, well, here's the thing. Here's who it's been lately is Jaden Hardaway. But, you know, you've got, you know, you got Keontae who comes in and he's serviceable. He does a good job. Um, but really, I think it, I think who Penny wants it to be is Chandler Lawson. I, I I honestly think that's who he wants it to be. Um, but it's just you can tell there's a, a youth factor there when he's on the court. It's just not there. Um, but yeah, I think that third person is really by committee right now. I think, you know, one of the things that drives this team is the amount of time that DeAndre Williams spends on the court. So against Seton Hall, he came out and within two minutes and 15 seconds, he had two fouls and was out of the game for the rest of the half. So you're losing your leading score for the majority of the game. And then he proceeded to get two, two more fouls at the start of the second half. So he, he probably played maybe 12 minutes total in the game. And you just got to have him more th than that. So I think that's a big reason why they were in the position they were at the end. Um, but Randy, I'll ask you, when I look, can, can Kendrick Davis be a point guard and be the leading scorer on the team? 
Yeah, he can. But, uh, you know, I, I think that – and that maybe this is – I don't know this team as well as Penny does, but I, and I'm not going to talk about Alo because I think he played really well the last couple of games. What I think, and I see this a lot in college – is that Penny seems to want to play like platoon, and you only have two guys that are averaging over 20 minutes a game, and the rest of them, they're like in and out. And if you're a shooter like Keontae is, do you have enough time to get into a rhythm before you're pulled back out? Because, I mean, when you're averaging 16, 17 minutes a game, I, I just don't know that those guys ever get the feel. And if you're like DeAndre or Kendrick, that doesn't matter, but they're also playing 25 and 30 minutes a game. So I, I, I don't know. I, to me and- – they could easily take 20 or 30 shots a game too. Yeah. And as opposed to someone like Keontae who, or even McCadden who has to come in and they go, I may have two opportunities to shoot the ball. Like I got to take advantage of it. One, it puts a lot of pressure on you to deliver when you do have the opportunity to shoot. And then two, in order to get more looks, you almost have to force things. And like this team isn't good at forcing their own shots. You know, when you're talking about DeAndre, too, and how he is that guy, he can actually be the leading scorer if that's if he can stay on the court. That dude's – he's his field goal percentage is 58% on the season so far. Now, some of that is he's not taking as many shots as Kendrick is, but Kendrick's still shooting 42%. But one of the other things that we talk about with Memphis a lot is their three-point shooting. As a team, they're, they're shooting 31%. So that is, to me, you have to stretch the floor if you're a team like Memphis, especially with a guy like Kendrick that needs – you know, they got to stretch the floor and get him some lanes to run in. That You see it all the time with the Grizzlies and Ja. People wonder how he gets to the bucket every time. It's because they know that the Grizzlies have shooters. You can't just sag back like they used to do with Tony Allen. I think you're seeing that with the Tigers, too. Yeah. It'll be it'll be nice to see how they, how they you know, keep the momentum moving. Obviously, Tuesday, you know, or Wednesday night's game is a game that they, against North Alabama, that they should win. But then they, they take you know, take on Ole Miss on Saturday, which Ole Miss played very well in this tournament. Um, you know, just ran into a team that I think is probably a much better team than people think uh, in Oklahoma. So a um, lot, lot of season left and a lot to be, you know, you know, determined based on, you know, who's playing, who's not. Hopefully Memphis gets one more guy eligible. NCAA, if you're listening, let's let's go, man. Like that, enough is enough. Uh, but let's let's talk NBA. Um, obviously, Grizz Jaws injury, Randy was not, you know, knock on wood, it wasn't as as significant, I guess, as they thought. He didn't miss as much time as they thought. It was yeah, a, week to week, day to you know, day, whatever. Day, yeah, I mean, they've always been weird about injury injury status, but he's back. They're one game, you know. A, out of the first place spot, I think, um, from Phoenix. But, you know, are they moving in the right direction or are this, these just a few games where, all right, a little bit better, but still some things we need to work on? Are we still, like, glaringly having issues? We're just figuring out how to win games right now. No, I, I think they are moving in the right direction. And if you look at the season as a whole, you obviously we talked about it before. You get Desmond back, and then when Desmond does come back, the big problem is the bench. Then you send a couple guys to the bench right now, like Santi Aldama and you, John Conchar, those guys, uh, maybe Roddy, he might fall out of the rotation. Who knows? But those guys are going to have invaluable experience, and they're actually playing a lot better. The My concern, as it has been all season, and I don't know if it's even something to worry about this early in the NBA season, is defense. They are just not 
very good on defense. They give up way too many either open threes or easy runs to the basket, and it, it's it's except for Dylan Brooks. And are, with Jaron back, you think that's going to get better, and it really hasn't. Are we? Is the defense just a, a a regular NBA defense, but we've just been so spoiled and so like not brainwashed, but like accustomed to the Grizzlies being that like hard nosed defensive team, and they're just not that identity anymore. I think that has a lot to do with it. That's why I try to temper my expectation with it. But I think that you see when they go even in the fourth quarter when you know actual teams actually start playing defense they still tend to struggle and a lot of it seems to be communication issues cuz like they'll come up with a pick and roll and then the screener tries to stay and you know then they got a guy rolling to the basket it's just they're not i think it's communication and to me if that's what it is you can fix that easily um and i think a lot of it too and i love Steven Adams to death but you put that dude in a pick and roll you might as well go ahead and put two or three on the board <laughs> Oh, well, they got um, – in a few days, uh, they got the, the Timberwolves. Um, Timberwolves playing below expectations, you know, below 500 team. I thought, you know, based on what we saw from them last year, they would be a little bit better of a team. But um, apparently they're still trying to figure out some kinks. Well, but... you especially thought they would be a good defensive team. And if you look yeah. at the last two games they played, they've given up 137 to the Warriors and 142 to the Wizards. So we don't have those kinds of problems, DB. No, so we'll, we'll we'll count our blessings there. But Jim, it it seems as though your your Russell Westbrook Lakers are starting to kind of figure some things out. They've they've won two in a row. They're seven and eleven. They've you know moving their way up two two games out of a a, a play in spot. Which you know I think we texted today and we we've come to the realization is I, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be one of those seven, eight, nine, ten teams. Um, it's just a matter of which you know how high are they going to be seven or ten. But obviously they're doing some things right. What are the Lakers doing differently now than what they were doing previous? You're on mute. I don't think I actually agree with y'all on that 7-8 thing, to be honest, because I need to see it against good teams. That was my point and what I had sent y'all. The five games that they had won were – three of them were against the same team in the Spurs, and the other two were against not good teams. So um, they still haven't beat anybody credible in those seven wins other than um, the Nets, who, I mean – can we call them credible? They're eleven eleven. So I mean, like, who have they beat? I need to see it against a, a top Western team to actually be believable. Um, and then also, there's the the big thing that always there always is Anthony Davis staying healthy. I mean, he's healthy right now, so of course they're winning. He's playing extremely well. He's playing the way you expect Anthony Davis to play. But how long do you have him for? So. I think at the end of the day, I still wouldn't ever bet and put my money on the Lakers finishing in the in the top eight. But as of right now, Westbrook is playing great off the bench. LeBron is back. Um, Anthony Davis is, like I said, playing absolutely unbelievable. Um, the other night, a uh, good moment for me. I'm not a LeBron guy, but he played daddy to, to Russell Westbrook as he bled all over the place. It was very, it was very sweet. He was very caring. It made me – Made me actually like LeBron for about five minutes. But, um, yeah, um, we'll see what they can do. The interesting note I wanted to bring up in just some regards to, because you talked about the Grizzlies being 
a game and a half back of that top spot. Um, they were talking about on the radio. I mean, one to eight, the West, the parity has never been more glaring than it is now. Two and a half games separate one to eight. No well, team. I mean, the, the Jazz just lost four in a row, and they went from number one all the way to eight. Right. Usually there is a team or two, right? Last year it was it was Phoenix and Memphis. There is a team or two that separate themselves. No one is separating themselves. There, there's no clear favorite in the West. And I and I like that. I love that. Like, I mean, every game matters now to all these teams. And I think that I mean, you're probably gonna see less guys resting, taking those, you know, load management. You're gonna get everybody's best shot because I mean, when you look at the standings, there's not going to be any games off for any of these guys. I think a lot of that attributes, if you look at it, that they don't have – there's been a lot of injuries. And if you look – so to go back to the Grizzlies for a second, you know, a lot of teams have this big three, big four, whatever. The Grizzlies have played abs- zero minutes with Triple J, Ja, and Desmond in the lineup at the same time so far. And I think that, you know, Phoenix, they've been dealing with injuries. The Lakers, obviously, are always dealing with injuries. But this year, in LeBron, too, and AD – uh, the Jazz, like I don't even know how they were. Clippers I think haven't that was... had quite yeah. Clip, Clippers ain't had quite. Hey, like there's a lot of them. Jim, I'm glad you brought that up. So AD gets a bad rap, right? Because he's you know he's been hurt or whatever. Why does Kawhi not get the same criticism? Mm. When's the last time we saw Kawhi Leonard play basketball? <laughs> I mean, when he hit that shot in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he won the title. He did. He won him a title. He'll ever, forever go down as a legend. But AD has a title, albeit a bubble title, whatever. But they both have titles. They're both injury prone. But it seems to me that Kawhi is almost like enigmatic with his personality, and he never plays. So you think Paul George is sitting there like, dude, bro, this is not I, what I signed up for. What I, why I, do I, I keep going with these stars? I think that's what it is. Is is. Kawhi Leonard is not a good like he he goes so under the radar because no like he's not fun to talk to. He doesn't look like he likes AD? playing basketball. He doesn't look I mean, like he likes playing basketball at all. I agree with That's that. That's what I'm saying. At least with AD, I think there's some type of emotional like connection to the game and like it's you can right here. Yeah. It, it's it, there's a lot right there too. Well, yeah. well, well. I don't, I don't know how you say that, Daniel. And I, we're not going to discuss Patrick Beverly, but you say he's a he's you know mostly invested, but he sure stood there and watched his teammate you know get get punked on. So I don't know. Anthony Davis ain't the most invested person. I don't think. I think he's not confrontational. I think what DB's saying, and correct if I'm wrong, is that you see emotion. Like when he makes a big play, he's celebrating. Kawhi right. hits that shot, and he's like. <laughs> I just, and they're like, uh, hey, was that a great shot? He's like, well, I just shot the best ball. Yeah. And then he uh, laughs and you get creeped maybe out. The, maybe the Spurs <laughs> did it to him because, because you know, he even dresses kind of like uh, Tim Duncan did, like like a normal individual. like <laughs> With, like, maybe, cargo shorts on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> may, maybe Pop ruined these guys. <laughs> even though, well, I can't say ruin. He won them titles. But, like, you know, as far as their personalities. Well, that's uh, – DB, I'll ask you this. Look, I mean, is if Kawhi – if it doesn't go south with Pop, which, you know, for all that's said about him, his players absolutely love him. You talk to those guys, he's, I mean, the, the stuff, the detail that man goes into, it's no, if you ever read about that guy, there's no doubt why he's one of the best to ever do it. But it didn't work with Kawhi Leonard. But you think if he stays in San Antonio, that we're even having a conversation if he's, I mean, I, you can't, you know, predict injuries. But I don't think he's out as long as he's been. I don't think he loves the game like he did. No, I I, I agree with that. I don't. It's the 
the culture that you create on the team by being the head coach. You're not going to allow for that, and that's stated up front. I think where he's at now, it's like, L.A., he can get away with that. Yeah. It, it's 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 okay like oh well it's you know nurse it until you're ready to go but like like the thing is is i can't remember who said it but like you know they they basically said like i'm a professional athlete if i expect my body to feel 100 percent every time i show up like i'll never I'm show not, up right i'll never show up and i think that's what's going on to some extent it's like they're wanting he wants to feel like he's invincible and a hundred percent. And like he did, you know, in some of those Spurs days and like, it's just not, it's just the not case. reality. And that's yeah. what you can say about guys like LeBron James and, and Russell Westbrook and guys like that. Those guys, barring Russell obviously had the knee injury where he missed some games, but that's a serious injury. You can't play. There's a difference between being hurt and being injured. And I think that we've seen the standard be set by a guy like LeBron, who's 39 now or will be 39 this year or something like that. Yeah. And a guy like even AD on his own team. I'll, I'll just crawl. I'll I just crawl sports. Michael Thomas. Well, <laughs> hurt, great. hurt, hurt, not injured. A hundred percent. I mean, turf toe every time, bro. Come on. Yeah, man. What is turf toe anyways? That the most. I think it's overrated. what Matt Ryan's got because he's just fumbling and throwing interceptions. <laughs> hey, I'll ask you this, and then we can get off NBA already. Um. Sacramento went on that win streak, but then they've lost two. Uh, do you, I mean, do you think uh, this is a year that they finally break through, not like make it to Western Conference Finals, but like actually like make it to the playoffs and actually like have a have a really good season? Because every time that like people feel that way, it never pans out. Yeah, I do think that having – and, you know, you've been a big fan of De'Aaron Fox for a long time, a lot longer than me, but getting Sabonis is probably one of the most underrated, undervalued trades um, they got a lot of talent on that team. You got Malik Monk still playing over there. Harrison Barnes, everybody forgot about that dude. He was just winning titles with the Warriors. Uh, I think they got a lot of talent, and they also have a mixture of older guys like Harrison Barnes. Uh, Sabonis is not a younger guy. I mean, so, yeah, I do think they can make the playoffs. Do I think they're good enough to win like you know, or go deep? No, but I do think there are playoffs. I mean, teams. if you're a Sacramento fan, like they've been so bad, making the playoffs and, and winning a first-round series would be, you know, oh. huge. Absolutely, and and it also they I don't know when the last they had Demarcus Cousins of course, but you know he got hurt as well. When have they had a guy that was like De'Aaron Fox that is one of the best guards in the league? They have. I mean, that's I mean, where we're going. Time, I mean, the last time the Kings were relevant was when they when when Bibby was the the point guard and they had that that team of five that was got unfortunately ran into the Lakers buzzsaw. But I mean, that's the last time I can remember the Kings being relevant. White chocolate. Well, guys, let's uh, let's move on. A lot of college football, um, you know, obviously regular season. We can skip college it. football if you want. Oh, no, we're not, man. We're we're gonna go right to it. Regular season comes to a close. Um, you know, I'll start with you, Randy. Obviously, Tennessee, you know, goes into their game with you know every opportunity to have you know a subpar game, maybe pull the pull out a victory but maybe not like they should have but they didn't they went out they dominated they took care of business um given what they've lost how big is it to know that they still have that fire and that drive to go and just like dominate a team that they should dominate going into the end of the season 
Yeah, all the talk going into the game after the South Carolina game was that, you know, there was locker room issues. There was a fight in the locker room between Jeremy Banks and Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton broke his jaw. You know, uh, there's none of that was ever substantiated, by the way. But as we have seen with Tennessee before last year in the baseball, uh, the end of the season, ESPN reads Twitter and they're getting fooled by this stuff. So we never substantiated anything that happened, but something happened in South Carolina to make that team play like that. Uh, a lot the culture was questioned, um, and maybe rightfully so. So I think that Josh Heupel and his staff really went out of their way to make a statement to not only Vanderbilt, not only to the SEC, but to the country that the, they have turned this thing around. So when you know that you lost your chance at the college football playoffs and it was right there in your grasp playing a team you should beat, but now you're looking at it saying, hey, South Carolina's not that bad. But you're playing Vanderbilt, and then you go on game day, and everybody picks Vanderbilt to win. Win the game outright, not compete. Win the game, man. Not not spread, not over yeah. under. Like so we talking about practice. The game. So you That's... saw, and it's pouring down rain. Everything's lined up for them, and all Tennessee does. And I kept saying this when I talked about it on some other shows. Is everybody kept saying, "Well, they don't have Hinton Hooker. They can't pass the ball in the rain." They're one of the best rushing teams in the SEC. They're one of the best rushing teams in the country, really. And all they did was go out and rush for 362 yards. They almost within six yards of having three 100-yard rushers in a game. They had 513 yards of offense, 56 to nothing. The defense captained by Jeremy Banks, culture problem, come on. And the biggest takeaway for me, it's not the 56 to nothing win. You should absolutely beat Vanderbilt like that every time you play in. They're trash. But Jeremy uh, Jeremy Pruitt, I was reading something. Josh Heupel went out there, and he said into the camera before they ever went off the field, a lot of people question the culture of our locker room. This is a culture win. And to me, and you guys know it, you know, LSU's trying to do the same thing right now. Memphis has got those questions as well. Culture matters. Without culture, you're not going to compete at the highest level. He proved that with this win, with the way he was able to get his defense back playing, that he has turned this program in a complete 180. Where where are they headed, do you think? Where? Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl. Against Clemson. And Dabo, you called out Tennessee for, you know, they're going to be flipping burgers because they couldn't beat South Carolina, and then you lost to South Carolina. So watch your mouth. We're coming for you. Orange Bowl with Clemson and Tennessee, it makes too much sense. All that yeah. orange. It's going gonna, it's, it's, it's gonna to be a lot. A lot of orange, and I'm, I hope they accentuate that storylines to make it Give me some heat going into that game. I hope that Tennessee plays the bowl game in all black. Ooh. Statement. 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 Well, it's a funeral. So, University of Memphis made, made a, a statement with their football program. Obviously, you know, they're, they're bringing back Ryan Silverfield. Um, you know, I guess what I didn't really know is how much money he was making. But uh, apparently, it's enough to where – it's not feasible to buy them out and then pay another coach. Um, Randy, you're you're a money guy, obviously. Is 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 that the case, or if they really wanted to, they could move in a different direction? They just don't want to. I think what it tells you is that they went to some prominent boosters, aka Fred Smith, and Fred is not ready to move on. And I'm, I don't know that for sure. So I'm not. If you hear this, I'm not saying Fred Smith said I'm not ready to move on. What I'm saying is that it was kicked around because for them to come out and have to release a statement for a coach that's contract's not up, that Ryan Silverfield will be returning next year, they heard all the chatter 
And so could they? Absolutely, they could buy him out. They don't feel like he's had enough time or they don't want to put the money into it to go find somebody else. That's what it tells me. And we know that all deals in college football, Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, are done way before anybody ever knows about it. So I do think they kick the tires on some things. And and um, some credible sources said uh, Hennigan is kind of tied in with Silverfield and, you know, Hennigan will stay if Silverfield stays, and I think that is obviously meaningful. I mean, Seth's got to be better. I, mean, I know he's got to be better, it, but it, you it. sure don't want him to walk. I would well, I would let him walk if it meant I could get like somebody different. I mean, who are you so, gonna get better, Randy, at Memphis right now? Uh, you could go get an offensive-minded. But what it's gonna take in Memphis is a couple things. We've seen the recipe work: an offensive-minded coach that's an ambassador for your university, your football team, and your city. I didn't mean the coach; I meant the quarterback. Oh, there's. I mean, I don't. I mean, that's so hard to say. I'm not saying right, he's it, a world beater, but, I mean, I mean, let's not talk about Hennigan like he's a scrub. It, I'm not called, saying he's a scrub, but I'm saying that you could probably – There's, I mean, he's not the he's not in the top half of quarterbacks in the AAC right now. I mean, that's just a fact. And is that his fault? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that that offense has to be better. That yeah, defense I mean, has to be – there's just so many things they got to do. And you could chalk it up to new coordinators. You could chalk it up to, you know, losing, you know, big time players but at the end of the day six and six ain't ain't gonna cut it and you know the way they lost against smu i mean had an opportunity to kick a field goal and and tie the game they chose to pass the ball which i'm fine with to me there's there's seven you know seven and five record sounds better and feels better but the reality is seven and five, six and six ain't much difference. So yeah, go for the win. What I'm disappointed in is it was a, a, a not a good pass. Um, rolling out your op, off throwing arm, which he can make those plays, but back foot and just kind of floats it in the back. I felt like the ball was hanging up in the air forever and gets picked off. And out of all the things that you can do in the end zone, you don't, want to throw a pick well let me ask you db as the as our resident tiger fan why does the university of memphis feel compelled to come out with a statement an official statement in the press that ron silverfield's coming back because i think the way that social media operates is that if you don't put something out there then people are gonna perpetuate that there could be this he is leaving or they are working on something or something is happening. Um, and then, you know, you know how the, like, how many coaches have been fired by media? A lot. Yeah. So like what you don't want is for the media to, to spin this thing. And now your, your, your hands, your hand. What, what are you talking about? Tennessee is the, got the most notorious coach for being fired by the media. So, <laughs> well, we the uh, fans fired that Kella. I think, you know, I'm I'm okay with them putting out a statement, but I, I agree with you. Like, it seems funny that a guy that's still under contract we're having to put a statement out for. Um, and to me, it, it sounds like they were entertaining candidates or maybe not offering people, but kicking the tires, seeing, seeing what's out there. What is wow. absolutely with irrefutable is that this team has regressed every year they've been under Ryan Silverfield. He was handed the keys to a sports car 
and now they're driving a 1992 Toyota Corolla. They mm-hmm. got to be better, and they can be better. You're not in a conference that you can't dominate. You're not. Well, the you, talent you got, gap is not vast. You got to. I mean, you. You're. I think the analogy is right. I mean, you, you're you're dry, you, you're given the keys to a Lamborghini, and now you've degraded to a Volvo. Yeah, a no, sensible no, four door sedan. Yeah, no, no offense, Volvo. You make great vehicles, but you're still wanting. We just to park lost the sponsor. Shit. Yeah, you you're still wanting to park the Volvo in the badass air conditioned, you know, two story double decker garage. You just, and and I say that because they're wanting to spend a lot of money on a stadium and renovations, and for what? Who's coming? For money that hasn't even been generated yet. Yeah, so, they they're trying to get a, a a grant from the state, and we I don't know if people a grant doesn't mean you get free money. No, not at all. So, you know, six and six. Okay, you can go back and look at you know four of those six losses and go, yeah, all right, you were you one possession games probably should have won those games, and if you do, maybe a different story. So, all right, but my question to you, Jim, is if. If this is where you're at next season, what do you do then? Well, I mean, that's undoubtable. He'll he'll be fired then. But I think, I mean, depending on how you get to six. So, like, if you were going the road that they went on where they lost, they lose four in a row or three in a row. Lost four. Yeah, four. I don't. I, I don't think they would that he would survive the end of the season if if it was I, like play out like it did this year. I think he would. Memphis isn't notorious for firing coaches in the middle of the season, but go get Cadillac Williams, my guy. Uh, I mean, he just ran into a, a bad situation, but I, he may have been given just the opportunity with that upfront known what's going on. But um, Jim, I'll go to LSU. Obviously, not the outlook that you guys are looking for, and I think the the game in and of itself was a trap for those guys. It's tough place to play. It's a team that been very inconsistent, probably better than what their record shows. Um, And they actually decided they wanted to show up. So obviously LSU, um, it's not going to get a chance to do what they were hoping to do. So what, where does that leave them and what's next? Let me talk about the game for a second it's, itself. And, and to your point, um, you know, their record may have been four and seven. I mean, this is the same team that had Bama down to the last play. And and they did that one with a, a lesser of a quarterback. I don't know why this – is it Wigman, Weigman, whatever, um, hasn't been playing because I've watched multiple Texas A&M games this year where he was not the quarterback. And this dude was way better. He was making some big-time plays. Um, but let me, let me start with preparation, right? You're talking about, you know, a trap game, um, multiple drops by LSU receivers that were, were big time third down plays, um, coaching, you know, they weren't running the ball. Texas A&M was giving up the most rush yards out of any team in the, in the SEC West. And yet you just want to drop back and pass, um, you know, every play. So like, it felt like the coaches weren't prepared. It, it felt like, you know, the receivers weren't prepared. And But the biggest – my biggest problem in this entire game is A-Chain rushed for 215 yards. 
this guy was a game time decision and was noticeably limping during pregame warmups. And he chewed you up for 215 yards. And I watched a defense that looked like they didn't care. Like it was so it was so disappointing, Daniel. Like I don't even know. I don't know if it was a trap game as much as Texas AM just looked like they wanted it more. And I'm so confused for a team that was playing for an opportunity to be in the college football playoff. It, I mean, it was just disappointing across the board. And those are that's on them players, but you know, this is one of those times where you look at the top and you look at Brian Kelly and you look at the preparation of that team and you look at everything that took place. And and that's where I look at him. Now, all that said, you know, I took a step back, you know, did did what Randy all what you always do too, but in this specific case, Randy recommended do. And I thought about what I had told the Tennessee fans the week before. I predicted seven and five as a ceiling to you two guys on this show. So if you would have told me nine and three, and you beat Bama, you beat Florida, beat the shit out of Ole Miss, I'm game. And so I had to take a step back and realize, hey, we're playing in the SEC championship, probably going to get whooped, but either way, I'm in a place that I never would have expected. So can I really be mad even with that loss to A&M? I absolutely cannot. And uh, you know what? Hopefully Brian Kelly has shown that this program is only going up. Yeah, and I think what what's crazy is that, you know, it just – it feels more – than it is because of the trajectory of how the season went and when it happened. Had you lost your three games in the first five weeks of the season and you ended up going nine and three, it wouldn't have mattered. Like you would have been like, all right, cool. We're play we're, we're, we had a good season, but because you had the opportunity to play your way in probably um, at the end, like losing the way you did, on Saturday probably hurt. And, and you know what's funny, Daniel? I've seen all these people talk about how, you know, LSU's just going to get blasted next week. <laughs> it's it's actually kind of funny. They should. That's not what I'm saying. But based upon everything that we've seen the last couple weeks in college football, you can't overlook any team, and you can't assume anything. Randy, well, case in point, Tennessee, South Carolina. So for all the people that are automatically write this up, it would almost just be right that LSU, who now isn't playing to be in the college football playoff, go in there and win this. Now, with that being said, it doesn't take Georgia out of the playoffs, so all it would do is change their seeding. But it wouldn't surprise me at all now if LSU won this game. I actually feel like they would win more now than I would have if they would have won the last game because all the pressure would have been them on them. Now they're playing with house money, right? Well, we'll find out. But I mean, let's... I mean, I mean, Randy, would you not agree? Isn't it a little bit easier with that pressure not on you? Now you're just going out there to spoil somebody's season. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, like you said too, Georgia. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if they lose or not; they're still going to be in. But they're definitely trying to be back to back SEC champs. Oh, and I can't forget this, Daniel, because Randy, Randy commented on the post on Facebook, and and I, I'm I'm still, luckily he he's okay. What you want to talk about, Brian Kelly's biggest mistake. Daniel, if you're down 15, what's the difference between being down 14 and 13? Because Randy responded in real time. They run Jaden Daniels out there and go for two. Go, being down 13 makes no difference than being down 14. Yeah, and no he's game. already he's already been hurt. 
and and he ends up getting smoked and and is is down on the ground hurting. And I'm thinking, what what just happened? Why did, why is this play even there? And luckily he's not severely hurt. But in the real time, it looked like he might have been, and that would have been the biggest coaching blunder ever. Yeah, I don't know. I just think these guys, when it comes to going for two, they're getting so caught up in the metrics, and they're just like, oh, I should my I have a. 45, chart says. Yeah, I have a 45% chance of getting a two-point conversion here, and that's that's the highest that it'll be all game. So let me do it. Like, all right, whatever. Um, but yeah, you're right. It wouldn't have mattered at all. So going for two is kind of pointless. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. That was probably what bothered me more than anything in that entire game. Well, here's the deal. Let's let's talk about our picks from last week. You had a really good college week, man. You had I guess your, your your theory and your strategy paid off because you got five picks of the six correct. Randy and I only got one. So, so I'm only down 30. <laughs> well, you're, you're still down. But obviously, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Randy and I both picked Ole Miss. You picked Mississippi State. You got a point. Tulane, Cincinnati. Randy and I both picked Cincinnati. You took Tulane. You got a point. NC State, uh, North Carolina. Randy and I took North Carolina. You took NC State. You get a point. Randy and I also took Ohio State. You took Michigan. You get a point. Randy and I took Oregon. You took Oregon State. You get a point. <laughs> Notre Dame, and this is what baffles me, Jim. Your, your, your flawless week came down to you picking Notre Dame, which is a team that we never picked. <laughs> But I picked them because I that that was with my heart because I thought LSU was going to win their game and I needed USC off their ass. Well, okay, I I I, I Randy, Randy knows well, what I, I was doing. He's been doing it. He's been when he was picking against TCU and Oregon and all that. He knows what I'm talking about. Absolutely. All right, I got the watch. Let's not even start talking about whether Alabama should be ahead of Tennessee or not. Okay. Okay. Hey, I'm glad you went there. Daniel, this has to be addressed. Okay. So there there are three different rankings. I gotta I gotta I gotta pull them up right now while we're doing I know two out of the three. I gotta remember who the third one is. But in what Randy's fixing to say, someone's gonna have to explain to me how. So I'll start with LSU and, and bash my own team. They are ranked one spot against ahead of Florida State. Same record, Florida State beat them head-to-head. Make sense of it. Same thing with Tennessee, Alabama. How are they ranked when they have the same record and they beat them head-to-head? And the third one, let me pull it up. Uh, It is Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon is one spot ahead of Oregon State. Oregon State just beat them. Somebody make those. As in, like, Saturday just beat them. Make make those three make sense. Here's, well. I can make the Tennessee, Alabama, Florida State, LSU one make sense. There's one common theme is that LSU, Tennessee, Alabama, take Florida State out of the equation. They all have Alabama in common, and Tennessee and LSU both beat Alabama. That just tells you how much clout and how much stock that these coaches and these people that are making these polls put into Alabama and how good they think they really are. Can I read you something? Sure. From the college football 
committee website. When circumstances at the margins indicate that a team is comparable, then the following criteria must be considered. Number one, championships won. Neither Tennessee or Alabama is making their championships, so that doesn't matter. Number two, strength of schedule. Tennessee seven, Alabama's eight. Head-to-head competition. Tennessee beat Alabama. The last one is comparative outcomes of common opponents without incenting margin of victory. Their common opponents are LSU, who Tennessee beat. Alabama did not. Beat Their other other common opponent is Vanderbilt, who Tennessee beat 56 to nothing. Alabama beat 55 to three. So you, you, you go on the road and you beat LSU by 27. Alabama loses to them. The, the big the number I, I just don't understand and they're gonna say it's timing of losses nowhere in their criteria or anywhere on that website does it talk about that but they're humans well, I get let me it. let me ask you this why does a head-to-head match up the third piece of criteria that you look at well I agree I think that, you're, you're you've yeah. proven you can beat them you have the same record you are better than them yeah if you're both 10 and two and six and two in your conference and you have Th- that's that's three things that Tennessee has. Three of the four. Neither one of them have a championship this year because neither one of them's going. They're gonna be watching LSU in that jump. But strength of schedule, Tennessee higher. Head to head, they beat them. Comparative outcome, the common opponents, they beat LSU. I mean, Tennessee beat LSU. Alabama didn't. Nothing says by their criteria that Alabama should be ranked higher. And then I get this all these people on Facebook saying, "Well, why does it matter? Neither one are getting in." Let me tell you why it matters. Because not only does the CFP pick the four, the top four, they also pick the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and and one other bowl that I can't think of right now. But yeah, let's so. just say, yeah, let's just say it all goes haywire. TCU loses, USC loses, and all that happens. All of a sudden now Alabama's getting talked about as a four seed in Tennessee. Isn't, I mean, where are we at here? Yeah, that's, that's I, pretty I, I honestly up. agree with Randy. If Because if USC loses, that's, that's an obvious, but – I have thought about TCU with one loss. They would. I really feel like this committee, if USC they lost it, would find a way to put Alabama in there. I really and do. Jim, you're very familiar with Tennessee Twitter at this by this time. <laughs> it will be. I mean, they might get pitchforks and be in the streets. <laughs> those those field goal posts will not be the only thing at the bottom of the river, DB. It could it could could get hot. Could get heated around Knoxville. But let's uh let's. Give give an update in score. So where we stand is, Randy, for college picks, you're in first with 43 points. Jim, you moved up in the second, 39 points. I'm sitting at third with 36 points. That brings us to our picks for this conference championship. Which week. leads me to a question for you, Daniel, being that, that Randy has this lead in the, in the chances of me and you catching him in this final week are slim. Our bowl games going to be a part of our numbers. Got to be a hundred percent. Wait, how many points was I ahead? Randy, you say got to be. You should be like declining this so you can lock this thing Um, up. You are four. Yep, four ahead. I mean, I could go into into bowl season with a you know down. You could. That's very different. You only got one. You would. You would have. Does what he did four this week. Yeah, but if Jim did what he did last week. Again this week, and you do the same, Jim. Yeah, he's 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 well, right I already there. know one because he's gonna pick Georgia and I'm pick LSU. <laughs> I hate to do this to you, Jim, but I gotta go with everything you pick because I went me and DB lined up and uh, that shit didn't work. No, I, I thought I was doing something. And it, let, it, let Randy go first, and Daniel, if that's his strategy. All right, the uh Pac 
12 garbage championship game late game of the week has the USC Trojans and the Utah Utes. Randy, who are you taking, man? I'm taking USC, and I know that Utah beat them. I watched that game. It was like at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, but this game is Friday night at 7 o'clock, which is probably like like noon or something in California. I just think that, for one, Utah played great, beat them, whatever. Hard to beat a team twice, and I think USC's playing really, really well right now. Yeah. I'm going to go with Utah because I got to. <laughs> and that is the only reason. Look, I'm going I'm going with Utah and let me tell you why. That theory that Randy just threw out, I'm scared to death of it really happening. I I, re- I really feel like Utah and and uh Kansas State could really mess this whole thing up and make the whole world implode. Oh, I man. hope I, I'm here for it. I normally so you're want here chaos. for it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not here for it. That's why I think it's going to happen because it's what I absolutely mm-hmm. don't want to happen. I mean, if we want this this these twelve team playoff to get here faster, this needs to happen. <laughs> well, then Tennessee and LSU would both still be in. Yeah. Winner, winner. Everybody wins. Seems like the right move. If we go to like forty teams, Memphis can get in. Nope. Sorry. Uh, nope. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. All right. Uh, Kansas State TCU. I'm going to take TCU. I uh, know that they have been on the, the list of, you know, right there on the cusp of losing week after week, but I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to take them. Jim, who you got? Kansas State. Randy, who you taking? Oh, this he was, wants this, TCU, but now, but that whole uh, strategy of staying with me. Yeah, I actually think that TCU is right for the for the upset. I, I I don't. I've watched them play probably three times, and I'm I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a hater. I'm just not that impressed. I'm going Kansas State. Damn. K State, LSU, Georgia, Jim. You taking LSU? Yes. Randy, who you taking? Georgia. Yeah, I've got to go with Georgia by six thousand. <laughs> I think that's, it's gonna that's, be, uh... that's solely based on what I saw LSU do Saturday because, like, for some reason I I couldn't sleep and I just stayed up and I was watching that game and it was just just ugly, ugly all the way. All right. I think Jim said it best though. It wasn't even that it was just ugly; it was the fact that A and M completely dominated the lines that that's not just a gimmick that's like they beat you up yeah and hey and, and i tell you this uh harold perkins was missing tackles that's how i knew we were gonna fucking lose i was like no way yeah ucf two lane randy who you take you know when we picked this the first time i'm pretty sure i picked central florida and they won uh same thing i'm gonna go with two lane because i think it's hard to beat a team twice Tulane. You're such a dick. I'm, I'm already go... mad about this Kansas State TCU thing. Give me UCF. I'll take them. Who you got, Jim? Uh, I mean, I'm glad we we did this bowl thing because I'm taking Tulane. Um, Randy's being a prick. Purdue and Michigan. I'll go ahead. And tell you. <laughs> I think you Mich- can go ahead and write us all down. Michigan by a 1,700 points. Yeah. 
Everybody. I thought the I thought the Army Navy game. Um, for whatever reason, and I know it's always the week after, but for whatever reason, I was thinking it was this this week, and so I was able to wipe this game off, and then I realized that it was not this week. So we have to pick this game. If Michigan loses, do they still get in? Yes. I think so, too. Because of how convincingly they beat Ohio State in their house. Yeah, undefeated in the Big Ten until you get – yeah, definitely. I don't think Georgia or Michigan have anything to worry about. Mm -mm. No. Clemson, North Carolina. Jim, who you got? They both suck. Clemson. ACC is the worst conference in the freaking land. I'm going Clemson. Oh, the Tigers. I only have a chance. The only way I can gain ground is LSU of all teams. Like, that's the worst predicament to be in. Jeez. You you better take North Carolina here. I I said Clemson when you first said it already. That's why I, I reacted like that. Oh, I didn't hear you either. My fault. You know what? I might as well go against the green. Give me, give me the Tar Heels. Who cares? I'll make it up in the bowls. There's a lot of those bad boy mower bowls. I think what makes picking bowls so hard is the obvious is because you yeah, don't you, know who's playing. You have no clue. Yeah, it's completely luck and toss up. Like there's no like. Oh, I've seen this team. You know, I've seen the offense. I've seen them play against. And them. then thirteen guys opt out. You're like, shit. That and that's a lot of dang bowls. I mean, that's a lot of dang bowls. Yeah, that's. The- There's forty-one. Yeah, forty-one bowls. All right. Pro football. Let's do it. Let's go. We can I'll skip go it first. I'll go first. Cowboys. All right. They are. Playing really good football right now. Uh, the first half of Thursday's game was entertaining, and it was much closer than it probably should have been, but they did what they needed to do. They pulled away. They found a way to win. You know, they're doing what good teams do. They're playing really good defense, and they're, you know, once they get in the red zone, they're figuring out how to punch it in. So uh, very, very good game on their part. And looking forward to hopefully not having a letdown against your Colts this week, Randy. Oh man, we're coming for you. Oh, I'm sure you are. You, you guys are notorious for those. Uh, oh, we'll we'll get beat by the Steelers tonight, but then we'll turn around and beat the Chiefs. Or that's right. That's what hey, we do. Hey, do do you do you? Um, but obviously, Jim Saints. It, that is just a baffling division. Like, now, hold I on, just hold don't on. understand. I got to talk about this game because I've been really bothered today. And I said last week on this podcast that I think the Niners and the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC, and I still believe that. But the way that the the Niners were being praised today was beyond comical. The Saints were the – it sounds crazy – were the better team. They literally – handed the 49ers the game and one specific player undoubtedly I'm so pissed off at Alvin Kamara I didn't think I could be this mad I wanted to go home and throw my jersey away I swear to God he fumbled twice both in the red zone one on the goal line and then you know like receivers drop dude Juwan Johnson has it right in his chest I got him on all three fantasy teams what a dickhead 
anyway, drops it like they did everything they could to lose that game, and they held San Francisco to 13 points. I, w- I wanted to read off these stats, man. They they held Mitchell, McCaffrey, Mason, and Samuel on a combined 29 carries to 96 yards. All right. Ayuk was their leading receiver with five catches. They only allowed three from Kittle, three from Samuel. Dude, the Saints defense stepped up. The offense failed them. I'm absolutely pissed off. And so with that, I expect it because the Saints are a bad team. That's fine. But all those praising the 49ers, they were they were gifted. And I will have my Des Bryant caught it moment. Guys, I don't know what a catch is. I, I haven't known for years. Chris Olave, clear as day, 40-yard catch taken away, um, caught it, two feet established, turn, hit the ground, bounced out when he hit the ground. They called it no catch. Guys, and I'll he's ne- on my fantasy team. Yeah, I'll, I'll never – look, everybody in that bar, and I'm not talking about just Saints fans, guys. I'm talking about other teams. They literally like – because a lot of them brought up the Des Bryant thing. They were like, will we ever know what a catch is? I don't think any of us NFL fans will ever know what a catch is. No, and – Unless they stop making it a lot harder than what it should be to determine a catch. Here's my only Saints question for you guys. I really need to know the, the, your opinion. Um, would you? I don't. I know it hadn't. hadn't it's only going to be one season. When you look at Dennis Allen's track record, does he already got to go? I really do. Because when you look at this team and the disarray that it's in, and and honestly, I would blow the whole team up specifically, also. But starting with the coach. Yes, you got to get rid of him because it's similar except for worse. And you were handed the keys to a Lamborghini, and you're it's Pinto now with similar pieces. Your defense is actually probably better than it was, you know, in years past. And your offense is inept, completely inept. Would you, with would, would Alvin Kamara? Come on, would you tear it? Would you go ahead? And just, I mean, obviously, we know Thomas, but I mean, like, you got so many big pieces and you're not fixing to compete for a championship. Would you go ahead and just completely rebuild and tear this thing down? Oh, 100%. I actually said that I think last year because of your salary cap situation, too. Like, now's the time. If you're not good enough to splurge and get there, which they're not, let's blow it up. Where they messed up was the talks. You know, I told y'all I would cry, and it's funny because I told y'all I'd throw this jersey away a minute ago. Alvin Kamara before the trade deadline held a lot of value because of what's going to probably happen to him the start of the next season. He really doesn't hold any trade value. And so you're screwed on that one. True. Speaking of screw, Randy Colts just uh, dropped the Monday night football game here to the the Steelers. They uh, didn't look so good in the first half. They started pulling things together in the second half and inevitably came up a little bit short. You know, is the the magic of Saturday night on Monday night, is, is he wearing off? Or is he still maybe the right guy? We just don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell because in the NFL, the ta- that's such there's such parity that it's hard to tell if, like, are they playing more inspired? The talent is still there. You know, we've said it on this show before. They were picked to win their division, maybe even compete for the a Super Bowl when the season started. And to see him come to this, so I don't know if he, Jeff Saturday is the right guy. Your offense is—it's more inept than the Saints' offense. They're awful. They can't hold on to the ball. Matt Ryan, his first two throws should have been interceptions. One of them, the guy dropped. The second time he tries to do it, the guy does pick it off. Then they fumble it going into the end zone. So it's just 
they're it's it's I've never I haven't seen them this bad even in the year after Peyton left. I haven't seen them this bad the year after Luck left. They are bad, bad, really, really, really bad. But they still got a chance to win the division. <laughs> wow. Well, well, let's talk about that for a second before we do our recap of our picks. They talked about it on the radio today, Randy. You know, Colts aside, are the Titans the most fraudulent? Seven and four team in football, hundred percent, because they haven't they beat anybody garbage. good yet. They are, they are not good. And I know Titans fans they come at me because I come at them, so everything's fair play. And my team is bad. The Titans are trash. And also, I'm gonna say it like I say it all the time: Derrick Henry is the biggest soft running back I've ever seen in the league. I seen a dude yesterday that plays for the Bengals. He might be five eight. He might weigh 185 pounds. Played at Ole Miss. Can't think of his name right now. You talking about Hilton? Yeah, he blew up Derrick Henry like I saw. Dynamite. That's why I knew you were talking about. It, it, other than that screenplay that he had, where he busted it right. long. When you talk that about he, running, fumbled? yeah. When when you talk about yeah, that was actually pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the running game, he was. I mean, he was getting smacked. Yeah. And Ryan Clark said it years ago. You know, shout out LSU. If you hit him in the mouth, he falls. And then you're that big and strong, you should not fall. When did you ever see Marshawn Lynch take contact and fall backwards? Never. No offense, Jim. I'm not talking about that. But the guy ran over everybody. Look, the Seahawks no, would have another title. Hey, it's funny. That came up at the bar. Somebody said, you know, Daniel talked about the NFC South. Somebody said, the NFC South shouldn't even get a team in the playoffs. I said, you know what? I don't want to hear that shit because once upon a time, Seattle was 7-9, and nine and they got to, to host a playoff game, and then they smacked the Saints in the mouth. So I was like, I don't even want to hear it. It's true. Hey. I agree. In Tampa, in Tampa, Daniel knows this. Tampa would be the team that they would get in there with that record, and then they'd be the one to piss somebody off and beat them. Well, and that's that's what's probably going going to happen there. The Bucks have a lot of of issues, and I think Todd Bowles is the number one issue. Um, and I, I, a lot of people are like, you know, Tom Brady's old, this and that. I don't think he's the problem. I really don't. Um, I just think the play calling is garbage, and there's been a lot of passes to guys that have been dropped. And I feel like Mike Evans has stopped running on routes, just just giving up on them. Well, we're gonna find out something this week because Marshawn Lattimore decided he's gonna come back for this game. I don't think it's coincidental. No, of course not. He always he's missed he's missed five games, and my man said I will be back for this one. (laughs) Well. Let's recap last week's games. Jim, you got four points. Randy and I were a Colts victory away from being 6-0 and this week. Thanks a lot, Colts. Appreciate it. But just to go through these, let's take a quick little look. Oh, man. We had well, – let me find it first. Here we go. Here we go. It don't matter. It does matter. I got so many papers here. Like, where? Oh, I don't know what I did with it. Oh, well. well. We'll move on to this week's games. But, you know, it was... um. A good 
good week of games for for really all of us. I mean, Jim, you you ended up with four. That's no no slouch week. It's but. probably the Saints that is the difference between us for more than I'm willing to bet. Yeah, I think that is the one. Um, because I, I, I picked the same as Randy across the board, except that one. So I'm pretty confident that's it. Gotcha. All right. Well, this week's game. Bills and Pats. Bills and Pats. Randy, start with you. Who are you taking? The Bills? I'm going to take the Bills. Buffalo. Any cause for concern with those guys? I mean, they did win, but like, it's the Lions, but I feel like everyone has been struggling against the Lions. Yeah, I don't think there's any concern. I mean, they're finding ways to win, and I think in the NFL, that's what you got to do. Jim, who are you taking? Bills or Patriots? Belichick mm, at home. It's a, it's a good game where they'll end up winning. I mean, them Patriots. And I got the Bills in the Super Bowl. That's the funniest shit ever. Yeah. I mean the Patriots are playing better football. I mean they're they're not they're not bad. They got no. They're 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 quarterback though. I don't care what anybody says. Mac Mac Jones. I love I love him watching him throw the helmet down at the end of the game when they lost. Nice yeah. little pout fest. Who would have thought that of all three of the Alabama quarterbacks that he would be the worst one in the NFL? Because he is. I mean, look at look at the receivers he had that year at Alabama and the offensive line. He ain't got that in New England, bro. Well, true. Titans and Eagles. Salty Derrick Henry taking on Jalen Hurts. <laughs> give me give me the Titans. You're doing that because you need Dallas to have it. That's that's what you're doing. I think I don't know what I think. I feel like the Titans are defensively good enough to stop them. Just my thoughts. I don't know. Jim, who you got? Titans or Eagles? I'm gonna go Titans also. Oh, okay. Randy. Hell no. I'm hell no. Give me the Eagles. Randy said, I ain't ever taking them mother. Never. By the way, winner of the week is the offensive lineman from the Bengals out there yelling F them Titans. That was actually really funny. He said literally the quote was up yours. I'm like, I ain't heard up yours in a up long your, time. Up your butt. What did Gary Pierce yeah, say today? Yeah, up your butt with a coconut. <laughs> yeah. I was like, golly. Man, that's, he needs some some help. He needs some trash talk help. Yeah, sure. look, no, hey, since you missed that segment, Daniel, it's worth bringing up on the show. Gary Parrish started with up your butt with a coconut, then started talking about what were the worst food items that you could have stuck up your butt. <laughs> yeah, and if I was you like, could pick one food item to put up your butt, what would it be? And I was like, only Gary Parrish can find a way to go down this road. How, how does that turn into a, a segment? Because that's what he does. That's how he, that's how he does it. Look, Randy will tell you, the first time I ever listened to Gary Parrish, I did not hear the intro, and then he started talking about uh, private parts, and my daughter was in the truck, and so I had messaged Randy, and he goes, did you not listen to the intro? It literally says it may not be appropriate for children. Yeah. It's... Hey, man, he's got the highest ratings, not only in the state and the city, but anywhere in the south. Good for him. Go ahead, man. All right, we're doing, it, we're doing it wrong, fellas. We need to start talking about random weird shit. So, DB, if you could put Body any food talk. up your butt, I think it'd be gummy worms. No, I, I think it would be 
a liquid a liquid yes, we went we went here yeah that's uh uh roser said uh applesauce yep sounds good all right dolphins 49ers jim who are you taking that's uh, actually a good matchup yeah man give me the dolphins all that bullshit talk about how good the 49ers are you're gonna turn around and pick the Dolphins. man i saw what i saw from the dolphins this week and i saw what i saw from 49ers all right randy who you got dolphins fins or niners I actually do think the Dolphins are the better team, but I do I think the 49 you know, that's my that's my guy. That's my squad, man. I gotta go with them. I gotta go 49ers. I, mean, I think they're is, gonna play better than they did this last weekend. Daniel, I have no logic. I mean, I think the Bills are going to the Super Bowl, but I picked the Pats, you know. I mean, might as well pick the Dolphins when I'm talking good about the 49ers. I have no logic. Gotcha. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Niners. Chiefs and Bengals. Ooh, this is this oh, is a solid man. Salivating, baby. Randy, who you taking? Hmm. Taking Pat Patty Mahomes or are you taking Joe Burrows? Jamar My, Chase is back. Don't forget. Yeah, I'm still taking the Chiefs. The Chiefs. I will say this though: the Bengals, their their defense is it's not bad. I'm. I think I'm going to take the Bengals, and I'll tell you why. I think for a couple of reasons. I think they're going to be at home. They have to win, and I think the Chiefs are due for a bad performance. So there's that. Jim, who you got? And he forgot the other reason. He needs the Bengals to cement him into the fantasy uh, playoffs. <laughs> I mean, I, I took one step of getting there by winning this week. Hey, the smart at Randy. We, we talked about it coming into the waivers. In our league, you have to spend money. My man went and spent money on P. Ryan. And, oh, it, okay. paid off, and, it, and it paid off. And Latavius Murray. I can't believe it. I got both of those dudes. So, hey, what do you know? But anyway, then, go ahead. Then DJ Moore decides he wants to do something. He has when you bench him. You finally bench him, and he goes off. What a dick. Yeah. Who are you anyway, taking? Give me them bangles. Bangles. There you go. Colts, Cowboys. Very easy. Cowboys. Cowboys. Randy says Cowboys. Jim. Cowboys. Saints and the Bucks. Randy, who you got? Uh, <laughs> you know what, man? Give me the Saints. I don't believe in that at all. But I got a feeling. So Every time this happens, Jim goes, well, you know who owns the Bucks, don't you? The Saints. <laughs> and then he's like, this week, he's like, you know who's coming back, don't you? Lattimore. And you know why he's coming back, don't you? Jim, let me ask you a question. Who's your quarterback? The Red Rocket. No, I Bring actually... It. Is going to start? No. <laughs> is Jameis? Um, the no, they uh they got a nickname for him that's way better than that at Buffalo Wild Wings. They call him the Bayou Ginger. Anyway, um, so that's actually what I call him. Um, but no, Daniel, you once upon a time came on here and told me there was a storm brewing, 
and the Bucks and blah blah blah. And you went on this whole rant, and then the Saints won thirty-eight to three. You remember that? So I don't want to hear shit from you. Well, but give me I'm, the Bucks because Randy took the Saints. I'm I'm pretty sure that's the same year the Bucks won the Super Bowl. But that wasn't when you said it. You said it the second matchup of the regular season when they got that ass busted. And I, I said the storm was brewing. I didn't say the storm was going to just explode. Drew Brees of... shaved points in that playoff game. You can't change my mind. <laughs> all right, whatever. So give me the Bucks, And I take it you're taking the Saints, Jim. No, I already said the Bucks. Yeah, he said the Bucks. I was the only loser that took the no, Saints. I mean, I either gain a point on Randy or the Saints eat the Bucks. This is a, the best situation ever. I think Randy did this as a favor to me. I appreciate right. you, my guy. I got you, cuz. Picks. I'll, I'll just go back to scoring. Jim, you got 32 professional NFL points. Randy, you and I are tied with 42. So Damn. Big, Damn. Big, big week. Big week. Total college pro put together. Randy, you're in first with 85. I'm in second with 77. And Jim, you're in third with 71. So, lot to be desired but randy is is slowly trying to, to I'm getting back to, to the pack cement himself as the the champion of the year but guys last call randy i will start with you what you got yeah so obviously the three of us on this show are bolton high school you know the real bhs and um still feel that pride to this day obviously times have changed uh, live in Bartlett, you know, kind of grew up in the area. So kind of a little sense of pride. So I've been going to Bartlett high school playoff football for the last couple of weeks, you know, gotten to know some guys. And I, look, I tell you this though, you saw your boy Casper Briggs. He's wearing Bartlett Panther, not this guy, but it has been fun. All that came to an end that they were playing this last Friday night. Eli's been to every game with me. So it's been a learning experience for him as well. A lot of fun. Anyway, get all the way here, win three games during the semifinal beach comes down from Nashville and just puts it on Bartlett in the first half. They're up 35-13 to 13 at halftime. And I'm like, man, this thing's going to get out of hand. Bartlett comes out in the second half, gangbusters. They actually come all the way back, take a 39-35 lead with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And then right. Beach, come, Beach comes back and beats them. But probably one of the best high school games I've ever seen. Uh, so shout out Lance Tucker. Uh, a friend of mine, Nelson Craddock, is on the Bartlett coaching staff. Shout out to those guys and what they're building over there. And I don't know if y'all been to Bartlett High School lately. It looks nothing like it did when we were at Bolton. That is a college campus now. It, it's it's beautiful. I hate to say it. Hey, what? That hurts. But I can't pick yeah, up but... a prostitute at Bartlett, so <laughs> send me to Bolton. Wow. Wow. On that Ooh. note. Jim, was that your last call? No, mine's actually something that's the opposite direction, so it makes what I just said sound exact, uh, absolutely terrible. But uh, before <laughs> before it came on the show, um, was over at DeSoto Grace um, at the Dream Center here in DeSoto County. Very cool. Brandon Gator, who we've had on the show, um, obviously uh, MMA fighter. He was there talking to a group of underprivileged kids. What they do over there is um, – they have an education and sports program for those kids. And he was there talking to them about courage, real cool thing to see. Um, listen to him, talk to them, talk about his story, um, similar things that we heard on here, but even, even more and just teaching them how to be better, um, you know, 
for the future. And so real cool thing to see. And then I got to hold the bag while he kicked it. And boys, I'm just going to tell you, if that bag wasn't there, it would only took one of those kicks. My leg would be snapped in half. You're, you're, you're telling us what we already been telling you that you would get dominated by a pro. But me and Jalil are sparring with no legs. Okay. I've never been kicked before, Daniel. Whenever I've been in a fight before, nobody's kicked me. And I had a bag still there. And I'm just telling you, with the bag there, I could still feel the pain. Well, just think if you did, you really feel that pain. But well, I'm never going to do it without a bag. So, well, hey, shout out to you. A big humanitarian week for you. Um, that wasn't about yeah. me. That was about Brandon, my guy. No, I'm, I am talking about you. So can I, can I finish? I'm done. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, big shout out to you. Humanitarian week for you uh, out there. Chainsaws, saws, axes, you name it, man. Trimming trees, cutting trees, doing all kinds of stuff, man. What what, what you have going on? Uh, that's for Healing Hearts uh, Child Advocacy Center. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up because we got a plug for one of our guests with that. Uh, obviously, out there, you uh, buy a tree, save a life. This Wednesday night, Austin Riley will be there. He will be there taking pictures, signing balls. Um, you can pay to have an autograph. You take a picture with him for free if you buy a tree. And so you need to buy a tree anyway to help save children's lives. But go see the world champ and local legend himself, Austin Riley. I will be there again. They asked me if I wanted to hang out. I said, no, nah, give me the chainsaw. Let's cut the trees, baby. What I heard in... I need you to to tell me if this is true or not. After Christmas, Austin is going to take all the Christmas trees and he's going to whittle his own little bat for the next season with those. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. Oh, can't wait. I'm going to get me one of those signed, ready to go. Um, Awesome job with that, man. Uh, Keep us posted. Let us know how that goes. But guys, another great episode, historic episode. Talking about Memphis women's soccer with Grace Storty and Maya Jones. If you like hearing their story or you just like hearing us average shows, talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, thumbs up, hearts, you name it. All the love. We'll take it. And we'll see everybody next week for episode 32. We're going to be talking University of Tennessee baseball with Chase Dolander and Zane Denton. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.